action right here on Monday Night Show. You want a war? You're going to get one. You fans can stick it, brother. Brett screwed Brett. This is bullshit! And I also appreciate the fact that, hell, you can kiss my ass. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 115 of Squared Circle Gazette Radio. I am Lemo Rock alongside Carl Jones. Forget what Johnny Ace tells you, I'm Mrs. Barber's favourite kaijin. And Kieran O'Rourke. Do an intro, dickhead. <laughs> and we are back this week for the latest instalment of the Monday Night War timeline. It is our third of three uh, in three consecutive weeks. Obviously, the last two weeks we have tackled January and February of 1999 here on the timeline, which you can go back and listen to in the archives, of course, at squaredcirclegazette.com. Uh, March is on the docket for this week, gentlemen. This is going to be a uh, this is going to be a fun one, I feel, this week. I, was, I mean, we've had a lot of uh, interesting discussions over the last two weeks about you know, the kind of the turn of the war as it's been since 1999. Very different war as it was in 98, even late 98. The uh, quality of the television has dipped substantially I feel in the month of February but uh, as we started off here the WS in very good shape WCW on uh, shaky ground as we left it last time here last week um, of course as always we're going to be tackling every Raw Nitro pay-per-view and backstage tidbit from the Observer and Torch newsletters of the time so with so much to get to why waste any time? Let's get straight to it. We're on the road to WrestleMania. But before Nitro on March 1st, uh, Eric Bischoff had a meeting with the wrestlers, uh, saying the company is going the opposite direction of the WWF. Bischoff had one week earlier knocked the WWF heavily on an Atlanta radio show, but received several phone calls challenging him, pointing to situations in WCW such as the Scott Steiner-Kimberly angle, uh, the crotch chopping, and the language used by Scott Steiner in his interviews. He said that WCW wasn't going to try and compete with the WWF in what they do, but would concentrate on what WCW does well. Apparently nobody asked Bischoff at that point exactly what that was going to be. Uh, among the items he specifically talked about wrestlers uh, included telling Rey Mysterio no more Bronco Busters Perry Saturn could no longer put his opponent's head inside his dress Scott Steiner can no longer make sexual references Norman Smiley can no longer do the big wiggle disgraceful Conan can't grab his crotch thank god <laughs> and the language had to be cleaned up no more crotch chopping across the board so uh, after and we talked about this on the last uh, episode of the timeline as we left it certain rumblings about uh Kind of the negative stigma and, and, and bad press about the content of the WWF. Especially in January, there was a lot of uh, negative press and a bit of backlash on that. We move now to March 1st, Nitro and Raw, head-to-head. Uh, we are live. Nitro starts with an awful David Flair, Tory Wilson bit in the limousine, uh, with Ric Flair's voicemails being played for the world to hear. This is the continuation of the direction of Kevin Nash as the new booker basically wanting to tape all of these vignettes and all of these things that uh, really don't really seem to add a lot and they just seem to go way too long. Apart from the continuing burial of Ric Flair. <laughs> that's, that's a common denominator I've noticed. Has the, um, the first hour become the preview show yet? It's, it's on its way. Well, we're getting there aren't we? More and more videos yeah, yeah. Indeed. We do get a great uh, Psychosis and Billy Kidman match in the first hour this week though so uh, we'll g- give it that. Uh, Arn Anderson confronted David Flair and Tori Wilson. This was another segment that made the horsemen look so old and dated like lecturing parents. By the way, did you notice that Arn Anderson and Ric Flair never got a rebuttal of the angle where they were made fun of uh, at the end of last week's Nitro with that hideous sketch if you can call it that of uh, the NWO parodying the horsemen. We can only assume like uh, the Flair uh, desert attack uh, they just never saw it. 
<laughs> they never actually bothered watching the television in the end. Would you? <laughs> I was going to say, no one else did, did they? Mm, touche. Uh, Rey Mysterio Jr. pins Bam Bam Bigelow this week in a pretty good match. This is the second of the giant killer matches where Rey Mysterio this time beats Bigelow. Of course, last week, hot off the press, beats Kevin Nash. Clean in the middle. <laughs> I suppose this is going to be a bit churlish for me to say, given that he beat Nash the previous week, but... Considering you've only just brought Bam Bam in and he was considered important enough for a programme with Goldberg to take Goldberg away from the red and black, now he's already just doing the job to Mysterio. Yeah. And this one, I don't know if, if this is a sort of shared thought around the table, but this one came across very much more like the slip on the banana peel, complete fluke, with yeah. the drop into Bigelow's crotch and all that sort of thing. Yeah, the victory roll finish and running away, that kind of thing. After the match, yeah. Remy Stewart does get interviewed and Nash lays him out, so that's, uh, you know, yeah. pro- progresses him, I suppose. Um, Chris Benoit beats Bret Hart via disqualification in a 19-minute match with not a lot of heat. Uh, Bret Hart didn't show much enthusiasm, and I guess you can figure out why, <laughs> he says uh, here. Uh, Barry Windham and Kurt Hennig get involved and jump Chris Benoit afterwards. Which, again, the finish of this, a 19-minute match with a sharpshooter, but he refuses to break on the ropes finish for disqualification. Really, really shitty end to what was a, be a decent match, but of course not, not Bretton Benoit's best against each other. No, and again, the continual burial of the Horseman group. Yeah, uh, Wyndham and Hennig and Bret are beating up Benoit. The fans scream for Ric Flair to make the save, and of course he doesn't. Um, they spend pretty much all of this show teasing that Ric Flair's going to retire. If, if you recall so at the start of the show they're, they're talking about you know, possible retirement uh, David and then uh, and Tori it, it's kind of the, the announcers are talking about it throughout the show Flair then comes out does an interview the people were waiting all night long for him and they went nuts when he came out and he really didn't say a whole hell of a lot he pretty much blew off the David angle entirely and he didn't even mention the retirement so uh, that was the storyline that was yeah, the show was built around the bookers had for him and he had no interest in playing along with that and just talked about the steel cage match coming up at Uncensored with Hogan with barbed wire around the top of the cage yeah, payoffs uh, pretty much that everything's cool for Rick I guess yeah because he's got the things to worry about rather than his family or you know his business or anything of importance uh, that we consider of importance but no he's, he's cool yeah. so uh, let's roll he's dancing he's, he's dancing he's, he's getting naked he's probably yeah <laughs> I can't remember <laughs> so many but, but at least it's consistency from the company that's true This is the path we're on, folks. March 1999. Uh, The main event of this show is Goldberg and Rick Steiner beating Scott and the returning Buff Bagwell. Uh, Rick pins Buff. Buff does the job and he tried on a Japanese tradition of the uh, person coming back from injury doing the job in the middle, I'm sure. Nash had studied his old Japan. Um, But anyway, the Steve Austin challenge by Goldberg in February is completely dropped. Never mentioned once on this entire show. Poor Buff does the job here as Rick Steiner wins with a clothesline off the top rope. I thought Buff looked pretty good in this, to be quite honest, considering, again, I'm still, I'm waiting for that point when Buff gets awful, because we know it happens, <laughs> but I'm constantly amused by Buff at this point, I haven't turned on him yet. Over on Raw, the same night, Vincent Mann cuts a promo on The Undertaker in the ring to kick us off and fires Kane, but China uh, stands up for him and says that, uh, you know, give him another chance, give him another chance, I can control him, basically. The orderlies come out here, I believe. Yeah, apparently he's going back to the, the institution, which we've never seen, the asylum, where it's called. No. Um, it might be really nice there. Uh, but he doesn't want to go. He really doesn't. Uh, so, so China helps him kick some ass. We're a little confused what's going on for a second, and I think Cole remembers that uh, he helped China the night before on heat or something. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's I guess her ass is on the line now. She's got to uh, control the mad dog that is Kane. Indeed. Indeed, he, uh, indeed she does. Uh, Vince then uh, kind of, yeah, Vince orders a match with Steve Austin, uh, where if Kane loses, China and Kane would be fired. So, yeah. Mankind then shows up and wants to uh, referee the WrestleMania main event. 
And uh, Vincent Mann says he can if he beats The Undertaker tonight. So two big matches on the show. Taker, Mankind, Austin Kane. It's like it's June all over again here on Monday Night Raw. Jim Ross comes out. This is a weird... This is this is a very uncomfortable angle. Jim Ross, of course, this is his first appearance on television after the Bell's palsy. And the symptoms are still very much on display here. He calls out Bart Gunn and blamed him for the Bell's palsy. And then slapped Bart Gunn in an attempt to turn heel. Uh, but there were signs everywhere in the building welcoming him back. Since word was put on the internet that he'd be returning to this show. And uh, Dr. Death, sans mask, sans boiler suit, runs in and gives Bart Gunn a German suplex on the back of his head. And then the backdrop driver and... Uh, JR and Doc put the boots to him. So, what do you think of this? Jim Ross's return. Wonderful. <laughs> Wonderful, really? I hate watching this. I'm not sure what the point of it is. But I suppose, well, turn JR heel is obviously the. That, is that what it was? That's, that's, that's the idea. Because Russo. Well, Vin, Russo Vince, doesn't like Vince, it. Vince has always had the, sort of the, the issue with the, the southern voice on commentary, hasn't he? Let's not kid ourselves. And you can picture Russo. Russo doesn't like JR anyway. In Vince's ear, constantly, you know, we'll, we'll do this, and you know, it's just, yeah, I, I may be being a bit hyperbolic calling it wonderful, but I was just happy to see JR back. And let's be honest, who wouldn't want to slap and put the boots to Bart Gunn? <laughs> <laughs> I, I just, I didn't like seeing, he's slow in his words still a little yeah, bit, there, there's a lot there of saliva there is, going on in there. There is, there is some un- uncomfortableness to it. Did he, but, so, what was the story? Did he want to come back, or did he? What, what was the, the I, skinny? I don't. It wasn't Jim Ross's idea to do it. Right, okay. That's what comes out in this. But uh, it was pretty much their idea for him, and the impression is they kind of wanted to do it to kind of demote him, embarrass him, eventually replace him. Didn't work. Didn't work at all. By the end of the month, it doesn't work. No, it does no, not. It, not one bit. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me that Jr. wouldn't be too enthusiastic about it. He said often enough, isn't he, about the idea of the commentator being the sort of the, the side dressing, if you like. On, on the meal, they're not the they're not the main part. They're, they're just there to sort of accentuate things. Get a mixed tag with uh, D'Lo and Ivory against Deborah and Jarrett. The bell rings for no reason. Uh, Ivory's on the ramp and rips Deborah's robe off, leaving her in her bra and panties. And she's really annoyed, which begs the question: Why did you come out dressed like that in the first place, love? Yeah, well, you know, you always ask that. Um, Tori attacks Luna for Sable's approval. I just wrote down Ugh, in giant letters. Yeah, nobody cares. Nobody cares, but here's something that we all care about. The Mean Street Posse's <laughs> debut in the WWF on this here show. Please, somebody talk about the greatness of the posse. They convey exactly what you'd want them to convey. <laughs> Smarmy pricks. Telling the stories about Shane and the fights. Yeah, it, it, these stories about hanging outside the Rolls Royce. Uh, oh, the Rolls Royce of Connecticut, yeah. yeah, where we've all been. <laughs> yeah, And, you know, some dudes kicking off and then calling a... Uh, I can't remember what the name for him was now. Basically, called up Shane anyway, and Shane taking care of business. Cause Boom! It's, it's this one guy. Boom! It's this one guy. It's not. It's not. It's, it's Mac, like a is it, is it Mac Daddy. Might be Mac Daddy. Ma- Ma- Willie, Mac yeah, Daddy. Mac Daddy. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> you don't see Willie Green at this. Willie point, Green? Though, do you? No, Willie He's Green. Yet to appear, but uh, still in the shadows, Willie Green. But yeah, perfectly acceptable in the role of uh, of smug little rich boys who you want to see get a smack. But just like the, the video cuts of like the, the, the street signs and stuff like that, really fun. Uh, the Rock beats Road Dog on this show. After this match, uh, Road Dog hits Al Snow three times with a steel chair, and then hits Bob Holly with a chair, and then calls them both out to the parking lot. Follow me here on this train of thought. There's actually a point here. Public Enemy comes out dressed as the Brood. Hideous segment. This. The, the lights go off in the arena for on the Public Enemy. When they come back on, Rocco Rock's gone. Johnny grins in the ring. Next segment: Bob Holly, Al Snow, and Road Dog are brawling backstage. Did anybody catch what happened? And you just see in the background walking along, <laughs> walking along, rock a rock, like he's absolutely fine, not a hair on him. 
Next segment, he's being crucified. <laughs> he's been kidnapped by the Ministry and being whipped with belts. Quality control here from Vince Russo's WWF Raw. Absolutely loved it. Uh, Mankind and Undertaker goes to the non-finish when the bell rings after Undertaker grabs Vince. But uh, I remember this match quite vividly for the chair shot on the outside where Taker pretty much just hits Foley in the back but hits him so hard. So damn hard. Yeah, it just... It is like the old proverbial gunshot going off. It is. It is. And in the main in the main event, we get Kane and Steve Austin uh, going to another non-finish when uh, the Big Show. Well, I'm not sure he's called that yet. Is he still Big Nasty? They just keep calling him Paul White. I don't think they've settled on a name. No, not yet. But uh, White goes to kick Austin and accidentally gets Kane. So that's the second failure for uh. Paul White in uh, in the space of one month. Austin leaves the ring and flips him off. The music plays. That's the finish. Guess no one really wants to do any uh, any finishes here this month in the WWF. There's going to be more of these uh, as we track along. Yeah, it's almost a touch of the WCW playbook, isn't it, with these non-finishes? But um, I, I know we'll, we'll touch on this as we go along. But a noticeable lack of focus on Rock and Austin, considering that's your big Mania match, um, seems far more intent on at this stage highlighting the corporation versus the Ministry. Or, or, or as we'll get to, dissension within the corporation. Yeah, yeah, more specifically with, with Big Show and uh, and Rock. Indeed, but the ratings are in for March first. Raw does a six point three to Nitro's four point three. There was no period head to head where the ratings were even competitive. The closest WCW came was when Raw presented its weakest quarter, a public enemy brood angle, the one minute Draws Blackman Kendo stick match, and the video of Shane McMahon's friends, which did a five point six, while Nitro had a Wolfpack interview with Hulk Hogan that did a four point three. What the fuck was that Kendo match? You come back from some vignette somewhere <laughs> and there's just two jobbers in the ring hitting each other with Kendo sticks. No no introductions. Nothing at all. First man that goes down loses apparently yeah and then it's over in a minute yeah and it did a 5.6 5.6 the Hulk Hogan's promo um, in the battle of the main events uh, this week Austin versus Kane did a 6.4 final quarter and for the overrun a 7.5 the highest segment rating in the history of uh, the Monday Night Wars in a competitive situation totaling 5.6 million homes and approximately 8.5 million viewers so uh, I know a couple of weeks ago, Kieran, you quizzed about the difference between viewers uh, relative to the ratings compared to today. And of course, now they're uh, hovering around 3 million. So 8.5 million just for Raw here. The Goldberg Rick Stein versus Scott and Buff match did a 3.8 final quarter oh. opposite and a 4.0 overrun, which means in the final moments, the WWF nearly doubled the WCW audience. Fuck. Yeah. Well, Bischoff did say they weren't going to go in the same direction as the WWE. I, I was, was going to make that joke at the time. I thought, let him get his thing over Of course, Eric Bischoff is so thrilled with this that he now takes a holiday to France. So he's out of the scene for a little while. Well, if anyone knows about giving up, it's the French. <laughs> Hope you're listening. The WWF product as a whole has slightly toned down since mid-January, apparently, but the company is still exploiting its raunchiness and getting great results, such as Deborah having a robe ripped off and Road Dog, fresh from rehab, wearing a t-shirt on Raw that basically refers to rolling a joint and pointing to a 420 sign in the crowd. In addition, it was confirmed that the WWF floated the idea of having accidental nudity at the WrestleMania show with Eminem <laughs> Mars, the corporate sponsor of the show, uh, and at least one leading cable MSO and both vetoed the idea <laughs> like the idea of accidental news that's just beautiful yes. <laughs> what would happen if accidentally someone got nude yeah um, it's toned down has it a little bit maybe allegedly yeah well we're, we're comparing this to the heights of the transvestite blowjob so uh, you know <laughs> baby steps Kieran baby steps indeed Not the, so we're not talking about the week that Sable's out there in like a little 
stocking leggings and a thong and um, yeah I, th- I, I think it's kind of again I mean the tour of the Playboy Mansion that's up for oh yeah the, the Playboy Mansion tour <laughs> <laughs> WCW is clearly wanting to go in another direction to avoid the bad publicity the revenues generated are so outrageous these days that the idea that sponsors are going to pull out of the WWF which these days is considered a great buy for products aimed at teenage boys in particular doesn't appear likely at all so uh, some the, the early judgement is that this is a bit of an out of touch idea from Bischoff to kind of scale back uh, a good note from the torch, though, about Raw. Al Snow was chewed out by Pat Patterson, Gerald Briscoe, and Jack Lanza for not selling the chair shots on Raw from the Road Dog. Uh, several wrestlers took a who the hell does he think he is attitude towards Snow's no selling, since everyone else sells chair shots. Bob Holly wasn't pleased since he sold the first chair shot from Road Dog, and even Mick Foley mentioned to Snow that it wasn't cool. Yeah, he's laughing. It's, it comes out he's looking for his fight with, with Road Dog or whatever, and he's just he's taking these shots to the face full on, and he's just no selling, laughing. It's like, you're just. I, yeah, I'm thinking, what the fuck is Foley thinking in the back with his triple concussion and yep. yeah, this fucking no marks <laughs> undoing all his work or pissing over the, the you know the, the fucking brain damage he's going to suffer later in life? Fuck you, Al Snow. Yeah, Al Snow defended himself, saying he didn't remember anything after the first chair shot. Uh, Patterson got pretty intense in his berating of Snow, which is very out of character for Pat. But the next day, the issue was made light of with a note on the locker room chalkboard, probably by Mick Foley, I would imagine, because uh, what's the line that Foley ended up using? <laughs> Uh, he, he used on. A, I think it was. A, it was a heat. heat. It was for Mr. Socko's birthday, which may or may not have been uh, chrono- chronologically accurate. Um, saying uh, congratulating Snow on his lucrative endorsement from Lazy Boy, which is ironic because Al doesn't normally sell chairs. Is <laughs> <laughs> uh, another note here. It's being strongly discussed that Diamond Dallas Page, everyone's favourite wrestler on the Oaken Table. Will turn heel when he returns due to the reaction he got at Super Brawl when the fans shared Scott Stein and beaten him up and put him on a stretcher. <laughs> but he's currently dead set against it. Uh, other ideas for returns if Randy Savage gets his way, he will come back as a heel in a Steve Austin like persona. Creative genius here from Randy. He is trying to convince management to let him swear and push the envelope on camera. So uh, I guess he's uh, jumping on that bandwagon as well. In a sign of the times here for WCW, the March fourth episode of Thunder which we never mentioned because it's Thunder but they aired a promo piece for Nitro that had never aired before and it had two clips of Sean Waltman who hasn't even been in WCW for over a year (laughs) excellent there is still nothing decided about when Sting will return to television or what role he'll play he himself wants to do the white uh, face paint gimmick from the ceiling he did in 97 Basically, I'll, I'll bet he did. <laughs> yeah, be paid a million dollars and take no bumps and do no work. Just stare from a balcony. Yeah. On his website, Kevin Nash, the booker, asked fans to send him ideas on how to bring Sting back to television. <laughs> Sting has sold his interest in his gym partnerships with Lex Luger. While they do still get along when they're around each other, it's clear from what they say behind each other's backs that there is tension in the long-running friendship between Sting and Lex. Some of the tension stems from a phone call that Sting's wife made, filling in Luger on some of the -the on-the-road confessions Sting had made to his wife uh, about uh, as part of him becoming a born-again Christian. There was heat on Sting, among several of the wrestlers, for selling them out to his wife. Uh, So after he got caught with his hand in the cookie jar, the Stinger, he pretty much had to rat out all the boys. He threw everyone else under the bus, didn't he? To save his own ass. (laughs) Oh, Oh, dear me. How did Meltzer get that scoop? Uh, I can't remember if that was Meltzer or Keller. That was in one of the one of the usual Either way, though. either way, I had to come. Well, if several of the wrestlers are saying it, then obviously the talk circulated that it's been happening. So, uh, okay. indeed, those close to the situation are saying the odds are eighty percent that Jericho is now going to the WWF when his contract expires. If WCW loses him, it would epitomise everything wrong with the company. Yep, <laughs> <laughs> and we'll see how that turns out, won't we? 
Uh, we move now to the next episodes of Raw and Nitro. March 8th over on Raw. We'll kick it off with them. Uh, we open with a recap from Sunday Night Heat the previous night where The Rock had sent Big Show to head off Steve Austin, but Stone Cold snuck through the crowd and gave Rock the stunner. So Rock comes out for his promo and he calls out White to start with, but Vince comes out instead. Uh, he told The Rock to stop airing the kind of corporate laundry in public, and Rock believes Vince, but he thinks there's far too many coinky dings. God damn, he's, f- he's fucking god. He's great. He's god. Yeah. Now yeah. The, the face stuff's happening. Hey, I was going to say and the same now, thing. And not only that, they, they're aware of it, and I thought, we kind of half discussed this before me and Carl, that I thought the some of the WrestleMania build is kind of distorted by obviously by the deflections but also the attention I think it's obviously in the back of the head that he's going to be a face after the Austin program's done hmm. um, maybe not maybe that's just because Vince Russo has no respect for heels and faces and doesn't give a shit about the logic of wrestling booking but he's presented as this guy's a, you know he, he gets his back up then I think there's a promo I'm not sure if it's this week or, or the week after probably this week uh, Vince um, basically he, he shoots him down he puts him in his place but he also then he plays on the heartstrings talking about their fa- that's family that's next week yeah. Yeah. so that kind of puts a rock in his play and rock takes off his glasses and it just it's not if it was done today people would jump all maybe they jumped all over at the time probably not actually um, that it's if Stephanie McMahon did this with Roman Reigns it'd be done in a way that it's like demeaning and like you're a fucking job I'm the star it's Oh, it's going down that route, but it's it's because of where they go and the way Rock sells. I think it's the glass off. It's done. It's okay for me. It just puts Rock in his place. And it obviously mm. doesn't know, but um, yes. But before, again, maybe this is where they got the idea for their burying their talent in later years, and, and the Rock rules should not be applied to other people. Absolutely not. Um, man, the point was, sorry, he comes out <laughs> and uh, yeah, looks like a star. And it looks man- like a star, and that's it. It's a star reaction. He hits, and it's just noise it's like there's no, fans are making noise and you have to kind of leave it through four seconds to see kind of discern whether they're cheering or booing and it's a bit <laughs> of both because he's just a fucking star by this point yeah I, I think it's just i think we'll, we'll see it as we go along it's just generally a case of at this point they're with rock in sort of in almost any circumstance until it involves austin directly in sort of direct confrontation with austin he's still he's still the, the, the sort of the flat out heel but anything else yeah they're with him yeah, absolutely. Uh, Mankind does come out and says he wants to referee Big Show. Paul White is going to be the referee in our main event tonight. Rocks on commentary. It's Austin versus Mankind. If Mankind can beat Austin, Mankind is in the second referee spot at WrestleMania because Paul White is already the referee. So, all right. Yeah. A little bit over egging the pudding. It feels here, and a lot of focus being taken away from Rock and Austin directly because of it. And also, yeah. So, are we supposed to? Who are we supposed to cheer in this match? The live crowd watching this match. Who are they supposed to cheer? Who? The, who? Well, they're going to cheer Austin. The so you do. want? So, but you really want? In the context of, so you you want Austin to beat Foley, but then that shorthands Austin at WrestleMania. Yeah. Yeah. Surely Austin right. would want Foley in the spot, so he's not a two-on-one. And and they even touch on that. They have the quick cutaway in the back afterwards, don't they? Yeah, yeah. Where, it, where it's Foley talking to Austin, saying basically Foley saying what anyone else would think. Why don't you just let me win? This one? <laughs> I think Austin says it by saying, basically to paraphrase, I don't give a fuck. I'm going to beat him anyway. So fuck you. Because <laughs> that's where top... Steve Austin. Because <laughs> that's the way a top star talks. Yeah. Austin does come out and just says he wants the belt. That's that's it. It comes out. Does a little promo, short, simple, and great. Uh, the show long story here is that the Undertaker is after the boss man. He beats up jobbers backstage. He beats up the outlaws, Al Snow and Bob Holly, after their match. He beats up Godfather, Blackman and Draws after their match or segment they do together. <laughs> not, just not enough focus on Austin versus Rock, and far too much focus on the Ministry. Yeah, and again, that's got to be a recurring theme here this just, month. The only thing I'll say is this: at least 
but is this the one where Jerry and Patterson are um, are looking for for the ministry to keep an ornament of vintage the, behest? They're hunting the ministry. They're dressed as druids. Yeah, yeah. But they got the um, they got the uh, head torches on. Oh yeah, the head torch on, which is great. Which is where Jer- uh, Briscoe comes out with the line about. Uh, being a champion at Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, State, which again was Jack Briscoe's accomplishment, <laughs> not his. But uh, yeah, when it comes to the ministry, they storm that, the room. They think it is. It's the Godfather's hose. Yeah. <laughs> which uh, yeah, that's the only redeeming feature when it comes to the ministry on this show. Yeah, the association of the associates. Um, Jim Ross comes out with a bag in his hand. He buries the dumb gimmick that was given to Doctor Death, Steve Williams, a couple of weeks ago with a stupid mask and a ridiculous suit, and then calls Michael Cole into the ring and cuts a fine promo on Michael Cole, uh, and then ends with kicking him in the balls. Yes. <laughs> now, whilst there are still clearly the physical ailments of the Bell's palsy, and there may be some uncomfortableness and slight sort of slurring of speech, I will say this is wonderful. Yeah, I thought this was great. This, this yeah, you're, you're this standing there with your moose in your hair and your little narrow ass. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that was it. Kicks him, kicks him in the balls, which gets a cheer. Yeah. Tells him to take his Yankee ass to the back because Jr's going to go and do commentary, which gets another cheer and a Jr chant from the fans around. Please don't call Jr. Yeah, it's brilliant. Yeah, all so, in black, and he's acting like a dick, but no one seems to give a shit really. It's like he's oh. acting like a dick to Michael Cole. That doesn't count. So the Stooges tell in, in between segments. Tell Terry Taylor of all people to oh, remove right. Jim Ross from commentary. Yeah, because as if this isn't going to babyface Jr. even more. <laughs> <laughs> Out comes the rooster. Yeah, for our listeners, this is the point at which I I got on the phone to Liam as I was watching <laughs> this back and just sort of waxed lyrical about my admiration of Jr. burying him as, as the Red Rooster, saying he's getting a little cocky and he's a mid-card wrestler at best with a lousy win-loss record, and that's how babyface number four of Mid South should be treated. <laughs> JR was tremendous in this segment. <laughs> you, lo- you loved it. Oh, he has a great month in terms of just humorous stuff, but it, it's just the way it all completely backfires in the original intent that makes it even more enjoyable. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just because it works. It works on the level of a nice fuck you to Russo as well. <laughs> JR is still our guy. Yeah. How fucking bad was the Rooster as well? He was pretty poor the rest oh, of the show. Oh, oh. Can you imagine him on Play by Play and Shane McMahon. Oh, don't that, even, David. The worst country <laughs> of all times. Well, if he's Half the time he's getting names wrong. Wham! <laughs> <laughs> he's tripping up all all over his words throughout the throughout the entire process that he's there. But um, was this just a angle for the show itself, or was this a sort of a way of giving Terry Taylor a bit of a trial run? Interestingly enough, it was a little bit of a trial run. It was. They, they were looking, and there's more on this, but they were looking for somebody to fill the uh, the JR position. So couldn't they have done that on like, a different show? Heat. In private, maybe. There's, I'm sure this was metal on at this point. Oh, I'm sure it was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Might have. Uh, was it metal? Yeah. Oh, is it still shotgun? I can't remember what it was at this time. I think it was shotgun. Anyway, who cares? Well, it'd be an appropriate solution to the Terry Taylor problem. <laughs> <laughs> Kane accidentally fireballs China. No, he doesn't. <laughs> He's aiming for Triple H, allegedly. Triple H is bending over, receiving, well, it looks like it, for like five minutes beforehand, and Kane's just pointing it at China's <laughs> face for five minutes, and then he fires, and it hits him in the face. I'm not, from one angle, it looks okay. Then they decided to show the second angle. Where it's clear that Triple H is bending over for about an hour. They, so, they decided to then show, retrospectively show the second angle, which they knew was going to be shit, so they didn't shoot it from that angle to start with, but went back to it anyway. Yeah. And showed it in slow motion. 
Yeah, just Murray's still bent over, not do- moving. So. so Kane kind of wards off the uh, wards off the EMTs, carries at the back, and holds a towel over her face. So there's some sympathy here, some emotion out of the big red machine. Yeah, he's uh, he's, got right. a, he's got a heart after all. He does indeed. Someone stuck up for him, and he remembers that. The boss man shows up to the building about an hour and a half later and gets beaten up by the ministry, who then drag the boss man to the arena and sacrifice yeah. him. Yeah, what a dumb fuck. I've been looking. <laughs> he arrives alone. God knows yeah. where most of the corporation right? You think he might have been on the blower term, just arranging plans and things, given the fact that he'd attacked Taker the previous week and left him on the commentary table. What? You know, he should have expected some sort of retribution show. You know, it pays to plan ahead from the head of McMahon's security, <laughs> which you know, speaks volumes. But then he comes out with a line of, I ain't hard to find. Well, you clearly fucking were, because you weren't at the building. <laughs> we were working for you for an hour and a half. Yeah, ridiculous. Ah, oh, it's just shit. Taker says the corporation will fall into there is only one left, and then she will fall as well. Dun dun dun. Wow. Boss man breaks off the symbol, the corporation comes out for a brawl, Paul White's cleaning house. Uh, the police finally show up, and the Undertaker puts his hands out to be arrested, and lights his symbol on fire in the process. How are you feeling about this uh, top angle here in the WWF? Um, <laughs> it's. I keep having to remind myself that this was to build the Taker and Bossman and Mania. Of all things. Keep that in mind because you will forget after probably this week, I think. Um, but you might as well forget. So don't keep it in mind. All right. <laughs> Erase it from your memory, people. But all this, the point being, all this effort they were putting in because they were telling their story, I guess, with the, the family and Steph. And it's like the match at Mania is so secondary. Yeah. Is it, is it, does it go on second to last? It's pretty high on the, the card. Sound. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's second to last because they, well, I dare say we'll get to it, but the, the pay-per-view itself, they have that match. Then they cut away to clips from the, the WrestleMania Rage party. Vincent Mandy with best fucking which, cockatoo impression. Which, which I have sat and watched in full, admittedly. <laughs> and the only highlight are the Stooges. Of course. Trying to get into the building and being stopped at every turn. Other than that, it's about 45 minutes of your life wasted. Mm. I added it to the list on my account. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it, yeah, it, it's, and then they, they kick off to the, to the main event. Speaking of the main event, on this show, it's rock on commentary, white as the ref. Mankind beats Steve Austin by count out and he applies the mandible claw outside the ring. Austin's standing on the ring apron. Austin, uh, Mankind's in the ring. And Paul White just counts to 10 really fast. Man, uh, Rock's pissed off on commentary wondering what the hell's going on Rock loses his shit Mankind is the seven, second referee at Wrestlemania now officially shitty end segment I wrote shitty I thought the execution this was horrible yeah shitty confusing nonsensical to start with very very much because the crowd didn't have a fucking clue yeah, what they were supposed yeah, to be yeah. cheering they want they're behind Austin but they wanted to win the title so it's more important sure it just it's like, like again like a discipline Russo will go with you know, it doesn't matter if you put two faces in there together it, you know, they're stars. In, no, it, it just Craig didn't know who, what they were supposed to be cheering. Um, Rock's great though. What the hell was that? The, the, the big chauffeur fucking him over. Yeah, he knows. Rock's great. This motherfucking love the Rock. <laughs> he is awesome. He's awesome. And the people people see the same thing. Over on Nitro, same eight March eighth. This is of course the very end. Of the set. It's funny because we are celebrating the anniversary of this show here today. The famed one solid hour of video features for the first hour here on Nitro of Hogan, Nash, Steinman, Bagwell, and Toy Wilson. Quite possibly the worst hour of television I've ever sat through. This it goes and so I've, long. And I've, it's and, up I've, there. and I've watched Impacts. 
way. <laughs> this is the longest hour. It's not just that. It's not just a, a useless hour. So we got Hogan. <laughs> we got. It's actually, it's a longer hour because it, I think I'm pretty sure. Sorry to interrupt you, but I'm sure it lasts for like on on the network. It's an hour. So with breaks, surely it must be longer than that. <laughs> yeah, it might have been. So you got, you got Hogan and Nash talking about the Flair promo from last week, sitting down and watching. That just went on for fucking ages. You got constant. You got Hogan doing a sit-down promo to the, the camera, like a documentary style, in black and white, because they're cool. And, and, and it goes... It's paid for by the NWO. Over and over again! Yeah, and it's still got out of business, by the way, with all this fucking advert time <laughs> that they're paying for. It's, it's, it's insane. You sit-down, boring, long, hideous promo with Hogan. Nash, Hall and Tory at the gun range. Nash, Hogan and Tory. Sorry, sorry. Nash, well, Hogan and Tory at the gun Nash, range. Nash, Hogan and Tory having dinner. One of the yeah. Nitro girls just spouting random shit. I think it might be AC Jazz. AC Jazz talking about her dogs. <laughs> yeah. Scott Steiner and Buff Bagwell having to do like police duty to get out of their, their own ticket or something like that. What the fuck was that? <laughs> that made no sense. Yeah, at one point... Scott, like, coming across like a really nice guy. Yeah. <laughs> I was say, he's, he's gone from pushing a woman out of a moving vehicle to criticising a woman for smoking indoors. Yeah. <laughs> At one point, a guy like tries to put some garbage in the trash, Scott moves the bin, and then Buffer runs over and gives the guy a ticket for littering, which is probably the high point of this entire malarkey. Mm. It's it's all really, really I mean, painful. I, I'll say this about, about Steiner and Buff. They, um, <laughs> they, they, give it the, they give it a proper go. They're, they're at least trying to be entertaining. Oh, yeah. But uh, in terms of how you want to showcase them, really? Yeah. Yeah. What was the what was the gun range all about? They seem lethal weapon or something. I don't know. They're just filling time, aren't they? So what a cool chick Tori Wilson is because she yeah. shoots shit. Yeah, she's beautiful. Don't get me wrong. But it's not. The, it, but it's not the point. It's, it's the no. we get we get an over an hour of our wrestling television. The first unopposed hour. This is the unopposed hour when you can really get people hooked, and this is what they did. Finally, finally, something happens. Um... David, oh, by the way, the word dark match is going on in the building live while this was all going on. So it wasn't like they just they made the crowd sit there and watch them for a full that hour. That surprises me. You thought they'd just that, neglect the audience? Yeah, I really wouldn't have put it past this company at all. We didn't go to, we didn't go to the arena, so no. I, you, for all intents and purposes, it could have been that could have been the start of their live show, which you might as well have done, quite frankly. Cause yeah, might as well. Yeah, David Flair in the ring. Goldberg comes out and he gets in uh, David's face about being disrespectful to his uh, his dad, Rick. Um, David gets in his face and Goldberg snatches him. At that point, Ric Flair shows up at the building and immediately sees on a monitor Goldberg manhandling David and then charges the ring, even though he didn't give a shit about him last week, but he does now all of a sudden. Bombs it into the ring, starts throwing chops at Goldberg, who completely no-sells, like the key to curl off in his prime. Rick goes out to kind of fuck off uh, David. And then in the end, get like Rick and uh, Goldberg in a stare-down and we get a match for tonight. Ric Flair... Bill Goldberg, your two top baby faces, in the main event tonight. Head to head with Austin and Mankind, the at two the, top faces in the WWF. At, at this point, bearing in mind that oh, was Raw was, was that week Raw taped? Yes, it's a tape Raw. That makes sense to me. Now, now I can see why they've done it. But you just sit there and think, well, logically, they both want the belt. Well, Goldberg should want the belt. He hasn't mentioned it for a few weeks, <laughs> or the NWL, by the for that matter. Funny that one. And Flair's not champion yet. Okay, let's just throw this on free TV. Yeah, for no reason other than the David Flair interaction that again, Flair Rick didn't seem to give a shit about last week, but now he does. Um, Raven versus Hack uh, goes like a three-minute stuntman show until Bigelow shows up. Uh, fans booed the interference. They 
brawled backstage for another nine minutes, which saw a lot of hard work, but it was way too long and became repetitive. All three were told to stay away from the limousine, so of course they wound up on the limo and Hack's head went through the windshield. <laughs> which had to be raving, like, yeah, let's get him. Yeah, f- fuck this place. Uh, Steiner and Bagwell made Bischoff look like a damn fool from halfway around the world for his comments last week about toning down the sexual references in his interviews. This is, uh, Scott, Scott's got some great ones. I think it might have been at the end of February when he says that the audience was mesmerized by his physique. <laughs> <laughs> That's fucking great. Rey Mysterio beats Scott Norton. Does he? This match is fucking awful. Uh, if Rey, what was Ray promised? Oh, I was going to get to this at a later point, but. Let's hit it now. It's obviously he was promised he'd lose the mask, we'll give you the win, we'll give you the, the push and the title shot, and then you know, we're gonna push you after that as well. If he bought that, he's a fucking idiot. <laughs> this, this is this is why I've always had that problem with Rey Mysterio. He's a fucking, people, he must be a fucking you know, idiot. People can say I'm, I'm being a bit churlish about it, or you know, Churlish Carl Jones is your new gimmick. Oh god. Or, or holding a grudge. Yeah, you know, it goes on and on about the importance of the mask and how much it means to him. Even coming to the WWF with the mask back on, as if we're all fucking idiots and don't know what he looks like. It's all so meaningful. The first whiff of a half promise of a push from Bischoff, and he soon ditches the fucking thing. Bending over and part. No, it's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Scott Norton is hideous in this match. Scott Norton is gives terrible. him nothing, and when I say nothing, he gives him not one bit of offense. Yes. Yeah, when I watched it, I thought Bam Bam gave him nothing, but Norton is a piece of shit out of him. It's embarrassing. It's yeah, embarrassing. It's this. This is this. He treats him like a jobber. Yeah. He treats him like a complete jobber. At one point, he says into the microphone, "I can beat him anytime I want." Yeah, yeah. Um, pulls him up several pulls times. Him up yeah, they're all doing that to him. It's like this if they think this is why do it? Why even bother doing this shit? If, Why even if you're not going to do it properly but you, you do it so obviously wrong these fucking big lugs not wanting to sell for it yeah well that's it and, um, it's, it, it's great like sort of bad news brown territory isn't it <laughs> that, that typical sort of you know sort of eat them alive give them nothing oh yeah make them look just pathetic yeah did nothing for Ray he kick, kicks Norton in the balls to win kicks him in the balls spins him then runs off runs off quick. and Norton gets up and barely even sells his balls and he goes what the hell was that ref yeah, bear in mind, yeah, thanks for point, that, Scott. At this point, the most convincing job that was done was by Kevin Nash. Yeah, yeah. think about that. Yeah. <laughs> Bret Hart beats Van Hammer in 10 minutes with a sharpshooter. Should have been 10 seconds. Yep. Uh, Steve McMichael no showed once again. This was supposed to be a six man tag with uh, the Horsemen against Bret, Hennig, and Wyndham. But uh, when McMichael no showed, as he's been prone to do lately, it seems. Well, didn't I think. I can't remember which one of them said it on the on the, the Four Horsemen DVD. It was either Flair or Arn who just said, uh, "We left him in the club one night and never saw him again." <laughs> oh, that's what the ratings are down. <laughs> yeah. We move now to the main event: Ric Flair versus Bill Goldberg. Uh, the match had great heat, but it didn't play as well on television because, of course, we got Hulk Hogan and Kevin Nash on commentary helping us out uh, to, to really put over Flair and Goldberg here. Uh, after Goldberg hits the spear, the NWO black and white ran in for a no contest. Flair and Goldberg were pounding on the job squad, although Stevie Ray didn't want to sell for Flair, until Hogan Nash and the rest of the Wolfpack came in and overpowered uh, Flair and Goldberg as the show goes off the air. Now, was this the show, Liam, with the Ric Flair steel cage video? So, uh, it started, the show began with the um, construction of the cage for Uncensored. Yeah, to kind of like... Uh... Hitchcock psycho style music in the background <laughs> I had real trouble with this on the network because <laughs> so I had troubles the last few days where it's, my, my network was skipped to like different points and stuff this one this I, fucking I, thing I had the exact same problem 
you put you put the nitro on, it goes straight to the cage <laughs> female. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then just cuts straight to the end of nitro. Yeah, it was took, all in the ring. It took me about five or six attempts to actually get through the show properly. I yeah. tried multiple times, and every time it was. <laughs> <laughs> Gave up in the end, so I didn't watch the rest of the show. But just, just from a logical standpoint, again, bearing in mind the idea is to protect the world title because that's where the power is, and Hogan's got the belt. Goldberg is killing Flair. Why would the NWO come out at that point? You wouldn't. That's what they always do. No, that's what they always do. <laughs> Therein lies the problem. You would just have Goldberg kill him. Just leave him a mess outright. It's easy pickings for Hogan at the pay-per-view then. Yeah, the top end of WCW is getting a little murky at this point. <laughs> yeah, this, it this, really is. This may even be the show. It's definitely this month where Shivani makes the comment that's not meant to be a shoot comment but kind of is, where he talks about morale in the front office not being at its peak. <laughs> or words, <laughs> words, words to that effect. There's a lot of little comments like that over this. Yeah. Um, who is it he says? Was it, is Brett who says about people? No, was it... Gene Oakland, I don't know. Someone says something completely random about everyone being unhappy with the ratings. And really? Yeah. <laughs> so what the fuck was that? That has to be Gene. It might have been Gene. I'm sure Brett said something. Brett Meyer did. Brett had a, Brett had a good uh, promo rating this month. Oh, yeah. Um, the ratings are in. Raw does a record 6.5 to Nitro's 4.4. In the final quarter hour before the main event, with Raw built around where women teasing taking their clothes off, a woman ripping another woman's clothes off and leaving her in her bra, and a crucifixion, uh, Raw did its highest quarter hour in history and second biggest ever for the Monday Night Wars, a 7.0 quarter, more than doubling Nitro at that point. Flair vs Goldberg showed remarkable growth and saved Nitro from a horrible number, doing a 4.6 final quarter and a 5.7 overrun, still losing to Austin vs Mankind on Raw, which did drop a full point to a 6.0 final quarter and a 6.1 overrun. The finish of both shows drew a combined rating of close to a 12 and a combined share of more than 21. So, on that Monday night, March 8th, more than one in every five people that were watching television on that Monday were watching wrestling. It's remarkable to even... It seems daft to say because they are losing by such a wide margin now. But it is remarkable how resilient Nitro's numbers actually are. (laughs) Considering the shit they are serving up, the fact that they are still getting a rating in the mid-fours boggles my mind. 4.4, and I want everyone listening and us around the table, keep that number in mind right now. 4.4. But just even touching on, on Flair and Goldberg... There is clearly still a significant chunk of audience that want to see those two, that at this point still care about those two men. Again, something that I feel we need to emphasise at this stage. Yeah, this precise moment. Raw's ratings peak was during the Jim Ross angle. (laughs) A 7.0, making it the highest rated pure angle in the history of Monday Night Television. How'd you like that, you Yankee bastards? (laughs) (laughs) And the Raven Hack Bigelow three-way backstage brawl was the second best drawing segment on Nitro doing a 4.5. And they'll pay for that one. It's it's about Raven. (laughs) It's about the boss. Dave Meltzer has a big editorial at this point (laughs) I want to get to. The Monday Night Wars can officially be declared over, he says. The World Wrestling Federation lost a few battles over the nearly four years, but has now won the war. The news story is not a competitive ratings race, but the incredible success of the WWF coming at the same time as what will likely be, over the next few months, almost a free-fall-like destruction of World Championship Wrestling. The WWF set ratings records uh, with a 5.0 for Sunday Night Heat, 
a 6.5 for Raw, and getting more and more merchandising and publicity appearances from its wrestlers, starting with a Sable cover on Playboy. Eric Bischoff is on vacation in France. It would be more apropos if he was in Rome playing the fiddle. Apparently for weeks, uh, Hulk Hogan and Kevin Nash turned the Nitro show uh, into their personal vehicle to get themselves over. Which is hardly different from bookers of the past who still perform, but what is different is the lengths they have gone to virtually bury all the talents and put on what many would say was the single worst Major League television show in the history of uh, Major League Wrestling Television. After Nitro, when Bischoff called the office from France, he was told the show was great. <laughs> Later in the week, he heard that maybe it wasn't so great. Trey Barn. <laughs> His attitude seems to be that it's going to take time to get a new concept over and he's going to give Nash enough time to <laughs> either to sink, to sink or swim. <laughs> However, Bishop has also told confidants he feels that Nash is falling flat on his face thus far. The morale of the undercard of wrestlers, which has largely gone from bad to awful, uh, ever since the collective realisation that the old guys on top were actually burying them, rather than just feeling it was their own paranoia saying so, has now hit rock bottom. When Bischoff, who has largely disappeared and is seemingly looking for his escape off the Titanic taking water, was asked about what is so obvious, his response was that he promised Nash full control and he won't interfere. So the next, and unfortunately final step, is desperation at the gap widening on Monday nights. Focus on all the wrong people, Hulk Hogan becoming a babyface and Ric Flair at 50 becoming the lead heel in the company is planned. But because of merchandise, TV ad revenue and pay-per-view, it would be exceedingly difficult, even with a big payroll, for WCW to actually lose money. <laughs> and with Time Warner behind it, the end result won't be the same as Jim Crockett promotions. <laughs> Oops. So much of this is right and so much of it is wrong. Scott Hall appears to be out of the picture, although he was also planned for a babyface turn. Hall has been talking about sitting out for a while and suing WCW since it was a WCW employee who ran over his ankle last month when he was pissed on the fucking pavement. <laughs> Benoit, Malenko and McMichael will become forgotten. The ultimate burial of Bret Hart is already complete, finishing off with plans being put in place to put him in a mid-card trio with Wyndham and Hennig as traditionalist second-generation wrestlers. Billy Kidman, who has superstar potential that anyone can see, is almost eliminated from television. Juventud Guerrero has also been completely erased from view. Conan, who is getting over almost to a shocking degree, has a video that never stops playing and a career that never starts up. I'm pretty sure, I mentioned this before, that's why they turned Ray Ray and put him with Conan, was just so he could play Conan's fucking music <laughs> an extra time on each show. Twice if you get to fluky whenever Scott Norton type fucking jobber. Chris Jericho, who people in the profession compare to a young Ric Flair or the next Shawn Michaels, is booked as if he's the next Tracy Smothers. Remember Wrath or Canyon or Raven? Didn't think so. Scott Steiner, Buff Bagwell and Lex Luger will remain heels and align themselves with Ric Flair as the top heel group as the current plans have it. Well, they, they got there eventually. Indeed, they did. <laughs> Along with Tommy, we had the Magnificent Seven, of course. As far as everyone else in the company, it's pretty clear the future is no future. The goals of Hogan and Nash have always been transparent, none more so than they are right now. So the question becomes, how long does this go on? Judging from the history of the company, a long time. <laughs> how much damage will be done before changes are made is the big question. Everyone, and I mean just about everyone, from the wrestlers, the announcers, the front office, has mentally quit. It's horrible. There's nothing that anyone thinks can be done because any good idea is shot down and has been shot down for months because it might get the wrong person over. Take the money. Those who signed recently now wish they hadn't. Those with a chance to go elsewhere surely will. This game is over. Oof. March 8, 99. That call was made. After a 4.4 rating, by the way. But you can see the writing on the wall and it's, it's, never, been, it's never been more striking how out of sync... 
with the public WCW is with their audience I mean, for, for a long time they were able to to paper over the cracks weren't they I mean, we talked about a lot of the, the bullshit they were doing in 98 that they were able to get the benefit of the doubt from from everything they'd done in the summer of 96 through to 97 up until around about Starcade effectively whereas at this point with the widening ratings gap you can see that uh, the residual goodwill they had is, is clearly on the wane and whilst them, there's a, a significant core of people who watch WCW who will never go to the WWF you are reaching a point where eventually that's all you're going to be left with yeah I mean again this is, this is the rating at this point has only dropped half a point from, from where it was a couple months ago you know, the, the 5.0s and 4.9s they were doing a 4.4 here this week but again it's more the the general direction of where things are going is just so sh- obviously yeah. wrong and, and because because you know who is at the helm and you can know, see what they're doing yeah you, you, you don't you, you, know, you can't imagine there's going to be a course correction at any point I don't think it matters that Bischoff. Yeah, you know, if Bischoff was there, I don't. It wouldn't make a single bit of difference. No, of course not. Because he'd just have Hogan in his ear and he'd just agree with him. But think about that: the plan, <laughs> the big plan, Hulk Hogan, babyface, Ric Flair, heel. That won't happen. It'll take some kind of monumental, massive angle to, for that to shift the paradigm of this company. I'd assume, loan. <laughs> <laughs> it can't just happen overnight because that would make no fucking sense. No, and just, but how how stupid are those people? The likes of Benoit, Malenko, <laughs> Mysterio, you know, in, insert name of mid-carder here. How stupid were you in the first place to fall for the horse shit that was the Hogan-Nash routine of Hogan disappearing from TV for a while and Nash being on everyone's side? And Nash claiming that there'd been a falling out and he was for the new regime? Yeah. We talked about that. This this here is the culmination of really the last three months, which is why I thought it was a good idea. Obviously, and Kieran, you mentioned doing three in a row. This whole three month period, January, February, March, because it's all coming to the boil now. Everything that happened at the end of '98, all the the scamming and scheming, and the we're going to beat Goldberg, and it's going to Nash and Hogan, and the focus on them, and the the stigma at this point when the WWF is as hot as it is with Rock rising up and Austin in his peak of popularity, the perception of the, as the old man company it's, already it's, had. And Hogan is going to be the top babyface again. Yeah, it, which it, didn't work in '95. It's, it's not even compared by that. Also, the down, uh, the, the watering down of uh, Goldberg. Raw, I was going to say raunch on WCW compared to oh yeah the, the attitude on WF. It's like that's just another like a feather that makes them feel more uh, in touch with the youth and uh, contemporary and edgier and in of itself not a big thing. But uh, obviously then if they've got their a separate audience that we talked about last time it is a very different show it's a much more uh, well everyone knows what the difference by WWF at this point but if you don't what they did by then going down the video route and trying to copy them as well it's just that is that the problem they're just taken away from their own taken away from what people actually associated with them and yeah. giving them something that they don't want to watch in the first place and if they do want to watch it they're going to watch the, the show who's better at doing it so. exactly yeah. oh so if, if it's just going to be another WWF we'll just watch the WWF yeah. then yeah because that's what's, like, that's what's getting all the attention it's alright though I'm sure like future companies will learn the lesson from that faux pas oh, I'm sure they will moving on here from the uh, pretty much last rights that Dave Meltzer has written from there in the Observer Mark Coleman was offered $50,000 to do a match at Uncensored and put over Goldberg I don't know why. Uh, it doesn't appear it's going to happen. Several people advised Coleman against doing it, and at the same time, Kevin Nash nixed the idea, saying something to the effect in the booking meeting, what if Vince pays him 100 grand to double-cross Goldberg and embarrass us? <laughs> yeah. 
Where was Coleman fighting at this point? Was he just a wrestler? I have or no was, idea. Was he, he, was, he, was, he was known. I think he was in the UFC. Was he time, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was in the early UFCs, wasn't he? So, yeah, what's what's his level of notoriety to wrestling fans? Oh, zero. Next to nothing. And why on earth are we thinking about Goldberg wrestling other people right now? Well. It's been months since he dropped that belt and he hasn't mentioned it since, so why start now, Liam? But don't worry, all of this negative talk is going to be fixed because WCW Nitro is expected to undergo a cosmetic facelift, debuting a new logo at the April 5th Nitro in Las Vegas, a new set, new music, new everything. Thank God for that. <laughs> the problem will truly be solved. Mankind's knees are getting progressively worse due to a screw from a previous operation coming loose. The plan is he's going to keep going for the next three weeks and probably have surgery, if not, uh, be given time off at that point. So, uh, Mick's having trouble here. So, is the lack of mania focus for him something to do with that? I, not necessarily. I think that's giving them too much credit. As, as, it, as it turns out, there are plans for Mankind post-mania that we'll get to, so it's not like they didn't have an idea to use him. I just don't think they had fuck all. Well, they didn't have a good idea for a map mania. No, no, they didn't, clearly. Um, Luna Vashan was let go this past week because of four separate incidents where there were problems with other talents and things said that made the front office decide it was impossible to keep her. Apparently, the things she said a few weeks ago on Raw about not getting a shot because she's not as pretty as Sable have been legitimately bothering her. She complained about the angle where Gangrel was hung by the Ministry as a prelude to them joining. She basically challenged Mark Merrow to a fight backstage before the last pay-per-view, which you mentioned when she said that she was going to bite his face off. She blew up at Jacqueline, who she'd been friends with, claiming that a Jacqueline versus Ivory match on Heat was them stealing her style of match, whatever that means, and Luna kicked Jackie out of the car they were driving in as a result. She got mad at Jack Lanza that night as well. Uh, this led to several of the women being uncomfortable working with her. Uh, the plan at one point was for her to win the title from Sable at Mania, although with uh, Sable going over so huge uh, due to Playboy and the turn, that may have changed. Was that the idea that one week she got a yes. mine? yeah. Um, yeah, probably didn't last long. She looked f- obviously China was jacked up, but she was gassed. Luna at this point looked more like a dude physically than China did. I thought her yeah. back and shoulders and she was she fucking was, ridiculous. Oof. oof, ridiculous love. Mikey Whipwreck made his first appearance in a WCW locker room last week. Kevin Nash had to ask him who he was. <laughs> at least he asked. <laughs> Could have ignored him and just never booked him. <laughs> that leads us nicely to March 14th. It's WCW Uncensored. 15,930 fans sell out the building, but a 0.73 buy for 270,000 buys for Hogan Flair in, in a return. Pay- in a pay-per-view that's so controversial, so outlandish, so off the fucking chain that the front office will not sanction the matches. We are, however having the president of the company wrestling in a steel cage that has barbed wire on top for our own world title. But we won't sanction it. Well, they couldn't sanction it because Bischoff was in Paris. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't think about that one. Did tried to operate a French fax from saying it's fucking ridiculous. <laughs> Very good crowd on this pay-per-view, although I do have to question the, uh, the whole G-rated nature of it because it seems like the rest of it didn't get the memo and there's a lot of blood in that main event that... Uh, which is, which is we'll get to we'll get to the main event here this being a first blood match which they couldn't say on television oh god that that whole rigmarole um, Kevin Nash pins Rey Mysterio in about six minutes oh well <laughs> the fans popped real big early for Mysterio's comebacks but the more offense he had the more booing you could hear and the stronger the crowd was for Kevin Nash is this match ever advertised on TV not that I remember not not officially no <laughs> It got, some, it got some talk on Thunder, but that's it. They'd been, they'd been involved in angles. People should just naturally assume they're going to have a match at the pay-per-view. Right. Mm. 
Um, again, talking about the G-rated level of the, of the content, Raven, Bigelow, and Hack had a fucking savage match on this show with them replicating the uh, Mankind Rock I Quit match deal where they duct-taped Sandman's wrists behind his back and then Raven gave him like four chair shots to the head, hard ones. Yeah. Nasty stuff. Yeah. May have replicated it in the physical nature but severely lacking in the drama stakes. Indeed. Especially when uh, the tape broke, I think, and Hacks is holding his hands behind his back anyway. But of course, nothing says G-rated like the introduction of a new character who just happens to have had a background in pornography. (laughs) Chastity. Everybody welcome Chastity to the ring. (laughs) Yeah, star of live bait, apparently. It came out in the the notes this month. Um, Booker T pinned Scott Steiner for the TV title. Did anyone Mm. figure out in the first 10 seconds Scott was losing? By the way, he got mad and threw the belt down. (laughs) (laughs) A couple of things. One, I'd forgotten that Scott was even television champion. Yeah. Buff's Um, holding the belt behind him, which is ace every time he walks down the aisle. I love it. But it's just... And Buff costs him the belt here by accident. Yeah, it's just one of those things that just epitomises the state of the company at that point. You've got Booker T, who'd who'd been out injured the prior year, who's come back, he's clearly over with the live crowd. He's had a a couple of decent matches with Brett, which they should have made more of and maybe put on pay-per-view, perhaps. Mm. Just an idea. They did actually mention the fact that he got the big win over Brett, though, a couple of times. They they did more of that than I thought they would. But but he's got that big win, so you think, right, okay. To build him up for the TV title. No, that's that's the whole thing. (laughs) To build him up for bigger things. You've had Scott Steiner involved with DDP. Now, we all have our issues with Diamond Dallas Page at this point, but Steiner's been a focal point of the show, and he's got a win on TV and a win on pay-per-view over Page and this is what the two of them are doing by the time you get to March they're wrestling for the television title the Booker T may have already won nine or ten times I forget <laughs> I can watching this it's just again it's, the point more is more pertinent I think probably next week but and I'm not I'm not considering their uh, drawing power at this point but for me, Steiner, Flair, Booker, Goldberg, Benoit should have been Brett, should have been the foundation of this show. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Raven, too, I'd throw in there. Yeah, Raven, too, Raven too but he's a step behind because he's just not on at all. Yeah, he's, he's barely on TV um, in six months. I mean, and there's, and there's, you know, there's a, a fucking deluge of talented guys under there. You know, mentioning Benoit, uh, mentioning Jericho, Ray yeah, Ray. Guerrero when he comes that, back. That's it. Look at the talent. This, but remember, yeah. remember. There's only five people in the company that can work, as Kevin Nash said. That's so true, remember yeah. that. Um, and Scott Hall's better than all. Of them. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, he's not here this week. Um, he, yeah, that's that. There's that. You just need to take a fucking uh, axe. An axe. I was going to say like a flamethrower, a, a net, <laughs> something. Just drag the water of these. All the, there's so many guys. So much dead wood. Get rid of them. All that. Yeah, dead wood. Exactly. Um, <laughs> and by the way, just to mention on March eighth, how many references to wood were there in the uh, the Kevin Nash Hogan Tory skits? It was all over the place. Just calling him wood all the time again. He's cool. He's talking to. He's always cool when he's talking to women. Oh yeah, of course he is. Of course, the main event here is the wood. Losing the WCW Championship to Ric Flair pins Hogan to win the first blood match. Of course, the whole story is we've got a crooked referee here. Charles Robinson has been paid off by the Nature Boy. And funnily enough, they do indeed do it. Hulk Hogan is pretty much treated like the babyface in this match. Flair's working like a heel, begging off doing his old heel shtick. Arn has to sneak the tie iron yeah. in. But it begs the question, why does Arn have to sneak the tie iron in? It's in a cage with barbed wire there's no DQ and he's helping and even, the boss and, he, and even if there was the ref's been paid off anyway <laughs> oh, yeah. 
but it's okay because David Flair's there to shout out the helpful advice of Hulk up. <laughs> well, um, fucking losers. <laughs> Uh, well, that, first of all, that is the most you know thing of value that David said since he's been on TV in his life. To be fair, yeah. Um, I don't know. Trying to think, maybe they didn't want the crowd to know they're dirty cheating bastards after ragging on the NWA for so long. I don't know. I don't know. I have no explanation for just, this at all. It's just ridiculous. This this entire this is this is one of the most poorly conceived ideas. And think of all the bad ideas that WWE's had. Ending the Goldberg streak. Bring back Warrior. But I, we'll see the effect of this. Poorly but this conceived, is awful. Poorly conceived and even worse <laughs> in its execution. Yeah. Dreadful. Absolutely dreadful. Vic Flair, your new world champion. Hulk Hogan, apparently your new top baby I face. I just think of the context where we come from. Yeah! That's the thing for me. I mean, yeah. I said it from January. It's the, the, the hope people have. They're the Superman, Goldberg, was your, your pinnacle. They don't treat him like that. Commentary... Uh, particularly Bobby try to call Bobby especially uh, tries you, you get the sense with, with Heenan during this. Heenan knows what's Heenan, up Heenan who, who I think is hilarious throughout this I fucking hate he, his commentary oh they're awful but he, but he clearly doesn't give a shit or, or he, no, I don't want to say he doesn't give a shit no he doesn't he doesn't he give a shit he stopped caring yeah. except for when it's Flair and Goldberg and when it's Flair and Goldberg he tries boy does he try and it's all for naught so yeah, Bill's the champ he gets fucked by Nash who then they do a double fuck in and fuck us all with Hogan yeah Bill apparently doesn't give a shit about that because he's been fumble fucking play, playing touch butt with Bam Bam <laughs> and, and co so and then after all that after this mess those guys who fucks our hero are now with, they're, they're actually bigger heroes than Bill and Flair the guy who has been cutting these emotional promos is now the guy I don't it's just, just after, his, just, after his son just, stabbed him in the back what the fuck is going on you've, yeah. got, you've got the super, the Superman in Goldberg and Flair who they've always had the attachment to mm-hmm. you referenced 95 before Liam and what was the problem with WCW television in 95 the fact that the Hulk Hogan was the top babyface Hogan was the top babyface Dungeon of Doom out the building Involved with the Dungeon of Doom. And what would happen on Nitro whenever Flair and Arn appeared on screen? They cheered him. <laughs> they cheered him out of the building. Four fingers go up in the air. You know, th- th- this is, a, this is a, a fan base that it's, that it's core has always hated Hogan. Or, or no, maybe not hated, they've resented him. Yeah. And they've always loved Flair. Hence the need to turn Hogan heel in the first place. But think... They expanded their audience tenfold. It's not even just about the core roots. They have this big audience, 4.4, and all those people they've been telling all this time. Again, and again, we talked about it previously. The number one guy for ratings was always Babyface Flair, even through the whole NWO angle. In 97, 98, we talked about it. Flair is the top ratings getter, almost always for WCW, and they're going to turn him heel and Hogan Babyface as a panic reaction. And no more so is it emphasised than on the next Nitro. Yeah, well, before we get to that, uh, just so just so we all know that people backstage are worried about the right things at Uncensored, Lex Luger was complaining, of course he was, about Jerry Flynn wearing black and red, because <laughs> it's the Wolfpack colours. Of all the things to worry about right now, Lex. <laughs> Fuck's sake. At least he's paying attention. <laughs> I mean, the question of why is he fucking on the show in the first place? Well, that's the bigger issue. No Goldberg, we've got Jerry Flynn on Uncensored. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Old lightning foot. More like club foot. <laughs> the next night, WCW Nitro. It's March 15th. 
And again, they waste the first hour of the show. Ernest Miller gets a press conference, Jerry Flynn versus Meng, Rick Steiner versus Chris Adams, and the kind of, again, this week's ongoing angle is um, Mrs. Robinson has been kind of called in there. You've got Kevin Nash, Hulk Hogan, and Tori hanging out with Mrs. Robinson, who, of course, leads to the graduate references with a... She's basically being paid to seduce David and with, with Nash and Tori watching... I don't know why. It's never explained what the Shits point of this and is. Giggles. Yeah, well, the next step in the plan, but it's never really explained what their master plan is for all of this. It's just kind of happening. But yeah, uh, Nash has just got some weird fixation on the graduate. He loves that movie, and and this is his attempt to recreate it. Apparently, he's an artist. It really is. Uh, the other big thing here was Disco Inferno's version of Conan's music video, Carl. Infinitely better than the uh, <laughs> Conan version. Yeah, as a general rule of thumb, I've I've sort of despised Disco Inferno over the course of my life. However, the the look on his face, the confused look, as he's looking at the sheet of Conan's lyrics, just brings a smile to my face. <laughs> I can empathise. Finally, at the end of the wretched first hour, Ric Flair comes out with uh, Arn Anderson and a bunch of models, uh, kind of walking from the limousine, walking to the ring. Uh, they go out there, they do their speech, and this kind of leads to the... Very confusing situation where you get Goldberg coming out wanting a title match against Ric Flair and Ric Flair clearly playing heel and saying no, no, no. Here comes Kevin Nash to a thunderous ovation. Here comes Hulk Hogan. This this a four-way just... confrontation. They all want the belt and of course it leads to what at one point where you get like Goldberg talking about how he's beating everybody and Nash coming and saying, yeah, you got 200 wins, we got one loss and it's me. <laughs> Nash, really aggressive in this. Yeah, really yeah. aggressive. At least he's fucking trying. I'll say that. Um, yeah, because it's about him. <laughs> of course he's fucking he's trying. trying to get over it. He doesn't try every time, Carl. Come on, you know this. Well, yeah, true. Depends how many, uh, how many somers and pints he's had before, exactly. the, before the shows, I suppose. Yeah, Hogan just being out and out baby faces. And it's just... No one wants to boo Flair, really. It doesn't come They don't boo him. No, but they just sit there confused. Yeah, at points. And, and Goldberg just sort of sticks out like a sore thumb to he's me the, he's the one who's lost in trans okay so the two so- he, he's the one who's lost in the shuffle yeah. of all this because well, well, as we through the rest of the show we'll come to that so. yeah yeah absolutely but it ends up with uh, Flair and Goldberg agreeing to team to go against Nash and Hogan tonight in our main event under the proviso that Goldberg agrees when he says if I have to go through if I have to team with you to, to get the belt to get the belt then I'll do it I, doesn't now really, he wants the belt doesn't really explain how that Happens or means I'd, I'd, yes. never confronted Hogan by the way, but he confronts Flair straight yeah, away. D- didn't didn't bring up the fucking obvious. Yeah, but, uh, I guess that's because the Wolfpack are faces now. So. Yeah, baby faces now. And what a horrible scene this is. And Kieran, you mentioned how you went from one week to the next, and, and you saw this different scene. Yeah, I saw this. I actually watched the uh, the pay per views after the, uh, the 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 TV, and I, uh, unlike last week, because of technical difficulties, I was watching uh, all the Raws back to back and then Nitros back to back. So I watched, obviously, these two Nitros the week before and this one back-to-back, and it made no fucking sense to me what was going on. Um, to start with, I just thought it was NWO, the Wolfpack, playing babyface, because that's what they do every week anyway. Um, come out and, yeah, raise the little two sweet sign to the uh, to the crowd. Luger was always bad for this. Yeah. Luger was actually worse than the rest of this. Yeah, oh, you still Smiling, hamming up the... F- yeah, what the fuck are you doing, Lex? Um, <laughs> so this made no sense to me, but I thought it was just... Uh, having not seen Uncensored at this point, it was still, I assumed, okay, well, the Wolfpack are just getting cheers, but Flair and Goldie are supposed to be the, heel- the faces, I guess, but Flair's not acting very heel- uh, very faces. In fact, he's been full-on heel with 
be ill. That makes no sense. Yeah. So I was a little confused until it became pertinently obvious that <laughs> they were just confused because they turned them. They turned them all. Yeah. They turned them all. Uh, on this show, however, Rey Mysterio beats Billy Kidman in a great match to win the Cruiserweight title. This is probably the best TV. Well, this is the best TV match of the month, easily. Yeah, it, it's a perfectly fine TV match. <laughs> very, very enjoyable. But Rey Mysterio is now your Cruiserweight champion for the ninth time. <laughs> that push card. So much for that progression, eh? Yep, yep. Uh, we get a segment where Scott Steiner and Buff Bagwell come to the ring with Scott talking about how Bagwell's kind of slipping because obviously he caught him the television title the night before. Buff and uh, Scott Steiner are going back and forth verbally here. It's a sight to see. And then finally they hug, but Scott Steiner gives them a belly-to-belly suplex and a bunch of chair shots to the back and the back of the neck. Uh, excellent stuff yeah, here. Hitting him with the wrong side of the chair as well. <laughs> uh, yeah, they probably should have taken him out on a stretcher or something, but as it turns out, they just said after the break... Bagwell got up on his own power and walked out. No serious injuries. As he said, it, it wasn't serious. <laughs> yeah, it was Thanks for that. Yeah. So Scott Steiner and Buff are now broken up. A Tra- real tragedy. Tragic. 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 And Buff, uh, th- this I think, any week now is the week when Bagwell's going to become insufferable. Because <laughs> he has to work as a face. So yeah. Like, so yeah. He has to work full stop. Yeah, yeah, he has to be likeable and this is not his thing. Oh God, he's promo. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. welcome to that. <laughs> The main event of this show, absolutely nothing else on this show has any value whatsoever. Goldberg and Flair versus Hogan and Nash in the main event, and I just wrote down a capital letters because it pissed me off. Dog shit. Hogan, no sold, a suplex from Goldberg. He no sells so more mad. than a fucking suplex. Oh, yeah. Him and Nash, they are no selling the shit out of Goldberg this whole match. Compounded by the fact that Flair's on the apron, they're, they're here. it starts off, he gives a press, Goldberg gives a press slam to Flair, his yeah. tag team partner. <sighs> I guess to solidify that heels are uh, that Flair's a heel and he's still a face I guess yeah um, however he he's the one who has to get who has to who, who has to say the heels the wolf pack get heat on um, by no selling everything he does um, it's fucking tragic make him look like a dick abs, abs, he looks like such a buffoon <laughs> he doesn't belong in the main they event do it, I mean Hogan's, when Hogan's no selling and he's staring back it, Goldberg's looking back at him thinking what the fuck is going on you can see in his eyes he doesn't know what to do because why would you do that because it doesn't make any fucking sense yeah Goldberg knows it and he knows, it's, like, it's like you can see him realising he's being played in the middle of this match is how I took it it's like especially Hogan Nash didn't even notice as much Hogan was the chief offender here for me yeah Nash doesn't do as much as Hogan but Nash he stirs and he, 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 again, he fires back with his aggression I like the aggression but yeah, the no side is just unforgivable um, the whole setup of this match is fucking atrocious and you mirror it with the, the, the tag match on Raw yeah, at the same night which it's not funny even... how these things are kind of mirroring each other isn't it though by the yeah. way mm. fucked up again yep so of course this match ends when Charles Robinson won't count when uh, Hulk Hogan has Flair pinned with a leg drop Hogan gets up turns around Goldberg spears him and we gotta go Tony we're out of time and the show just ends with the match in progress. Finishes the same pass alien. Uh, clearly, because they didn't do him on Rory. <laughs> Over on Raw, the same night, The Rock comes out for an awesome promo to start. And this is where, this is the one where I noted, this is the this is the first one, not so much last week, where he's doing the catchphrase and the crowd's doing it back with him. And he has to, at the end, say this isn't sing-along with a champ. Now, so I thought a couple a week or two before this, yeah. they were starting to do it. Because by this point, he's got the idea and he said to tell them. Yeah. The man, the poison is, he's fucking... Yeah. He's at this, so point, at this, this point, so at this point, I'm probably leaning more towards him over Austin as pure entertainment value on the show. Yeah, um, just maybe just because again, neither of them focus uh, uh, um, on as much as you'd want, really. But he's just so great. 
catchphrase getting over oh Rudy Pucanias Rudy Pucanias and everyone says it with him the millions and millions they start repeating the millions line there's a little hand he knew they'll they'll go along with it and you you see the poise of the man the timing of the finger he's not singing along with the child and they all crack up laughing and then he tells them it's just he's just amazing he's great yeah, great promo here. He calls out Vincent Mann, uh, who calls him Dwayne. Yeah, this is the one where he... This is the one you were talking about, where yeah, he takes, takes off the takes glasses. Takes off the glasses, goes serious. Talks about his family and talks about how Rock owes him and he's kind of like a son to him, is, is the words that Vince uses. Yeah, it was like, it was like a... This was like a little face test. He'll come out with... It, on his own. Spitting piss and vinegar on his own, yeah, to his own music. Um, and then the Vince thing just kind of re-puts things back into where they were. Yeah. Um, you can see Russo's fingerprints over this, though. Yeah, but Actually, they, you know, I think even even Law is it Law on coaching? He says Dwayne goes whoa, and then, oh, for <laughs> fuck's sake, just fuck off. <laughs> Excellent. So Big Show comes out mad and gets slapped. Basically, good. Big, yeah, Vince. So Vince slaps Big Show. After, this is after he says that uh, Show is there to help the family, but he isn't part of it. So Show comes out mad, gets slapped. Vince orders a tag team match. Settle down, everybody. Tonight it's going to be Rock and uh, Big Show against Austin and Mankind in our main event. So, again, the four big uh, four big names in the big tag in the main event. Just curious how these are mirroring each other, like we say. Here's one for you. You thought Russo's fingerprints. Road Dog wins the IC title. <laughs> Billy Gunn wins the hardcore title. No fucking sense. What the fuck? Absolute no sense. No fucking sense. If anything says Vince Russo doesn't have a fucking clue about wrestling, this is it. So we've been building for months these two. Road Dog around the, the hardcore title, which we said was a really nice fit. Yeah. Billy going after the IC title, or, you know, talking about it at least. Um, okay, no one cared, but he's still talking about it. Yeah, was it because Road Dog was more over? So they thought, why, I don't understand why they did this. I was, I was hoping that this timeline would shed some light on the reason for this. No notes, no reason. That this is just what they did. Pure, pure Russo, then. Yeah, it's no like, rhyme or reason. They'd even played up a, a couple of weeks before, or maybe even the week before, the, the notion of poor Billy Gunn, who's still striving for the IC belt, but he can't wrestle because of pneumonia. Yeah, which really made us all winners. But <laughs> that's by the by. But yeah, to just do this complete one eighty, it, it's it's t- it is it's just Russo. It is awful. It's just Vince Russo. Shame it, man. Challenges the Legion of Doom to a handicap match, and of course it's Patterson and Briscoe dressed as LOD with the face paint and the spikes. No, I've always loved the Road Warriors, but but this was funny. <laughs> it made no sense, still though. No, it made no sense because it was like a competitive. Well, they were kind of fighting competitively, but the joke was their shit. But they're on the same side, so why are they why are they still let them get? What's the point of this? What is the point? Yeah, there, there was no real genuine point to this. It was just Vince. Burying the LOD because they hadn't they uh, pulled a no show a few weeks before. That's yep. all that's about. So the ministry is shown creeping up to the McMansion. <laughs> <laughs> Not Connor's McMansion. No, no, Vince no. McMansion. Yeah. <laughs> um, Vince and Shane are calling the police, but the police don't want to help because they think it's a publicity stunt. So uh, I like that. Yeah, they're course. smart. They're yeah. smart to the biz. But again, this is just hideous. Throughout the show, it's, it's they should have said they should have said they've had enough of these fake. Aggravated stalking charges. Yeah. They're, not, they're not listening to wrestling companies anymore. Yes, that they great. do get a few diggers in actually. WWF this month on WCW, they which do? is hilarious. I can't remember what they were off the top. Ah, um, oh, bullshit main event. I think it's actually it's this week. It is this week because they completely fucking bury uh, the main event of Uncensored. Oh, the oh yeah, with all the uh, the wackiness and the twisting turns, it made no yeah, sense. Yeah. Ah, very interesting. I didn't catch that. It's like that's a sign that they're. Their tails are up and they they cock the walk now because yeah. they don't give a fuck now. Yeah, <laughs> this is this is Vince back to his 1987-1988. I've won the war, Jim Crockett, so I'm going to do everything I can to fuck you over now. Yeah, excellent. 
Also throughout the show, a table is being built at ringside. <laughs> this is awesome. Which, 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 JR is raw. It's, it's awesome when JR comes out, but beforehand, hearing the saw going off when Shane's trying to do his little promo at the start, and it's, it's fucking irritating. Jim Ross and Doc Williams finally come out. It's pretty clear the idea is to portray Jim Ross, a parody of himself, and set people up to accept Michael Cole as the real announcer of Raw, and not simply the guy uh, that is there while we wait for Jim Ross, is the idea. Well, they didn't do a very good job of it. They no. did a poor job. <laughs> Everyone just loved JR even more. Let's just remind you how much better uh, JR is than Michael Cole. <laughs> good job. Here's JR with a disability and he's still better. <laughs> What's the line he says? When he goes, hey King, why don't you come up here first class and get out of coach back there <laughs> or whatever it is. Of course, the table sees its demise where um, Bob Holly goes, doesn't really go through it. <laughs> He misses it. He misses it. <laughs> like his, his toes land on it. Yeah. Billy Gunn tries to press slam over the top rope through the table, but he holds onto the top rope like an idiot and uh, and just crashes onto the ground. Le- yeah, le- legs it, and then his head, bam, on the floor. So yeah. I cheered. Well, I cheered as well. It was great. <laughs> Jeff Jarrett and Owen Hart beat the public enemy on this show, and Jarrett hits grunge with a guitar right in front of the ref, who didn't DQ him. Because the gimmick is the wrestlers and officials in the WF don't want them around. This stems from the idea that many believe selling them was a bad idea and it has nothing to do with where they came from and everything to do with the fact they stand out like a sore thumb in their matches and legitimately nobody wants them there. So there you go. Again, let's play out real life on TV, I suppose. Um, Here we get the angle that was mentioned previously. Jerry Lawler at the Playboy Mansion. Which, by the way, did a 6.3 quarter hour rating. Wow, the Playboy Mansion. You might get a bit of boob. At least side boob. Lawler's great. This is made for this. Yeah. <laughs> he was born for this. The, the, only this thing, angle. the only thing missing was a swing set and seesaw. But it's the tights. It's the fact that he's wearing his wrestling tights that the go crown. past his belly button. He's got the crown on, and it's they send him. They, they eventually evict him, and he, he evict him from the building, and he takes his wrestling boots and his little jacket, and he's there in his little tights. It's fucking great. Jerry Law is hilarious here. This is probably the best thing he did do, by the way, during this whole three-month period where I was yeah. finding him slowly and slowly more insufferable on commentary. I, yeah. I compared him to Shivani and Heenan arguing or faux-arguing on Nitro. I would listen to Jerry all day, but mm. that's by the by, I guess. Yeah, I suppose so. Have we cut back to the McMansion yet? Um... Well, we're getting there because Bossman versus Midian takes place in the cage match, which ends with the entire corporation beating up Midian and threatening to remove his eye unless the Undertaker leaves Vince's house. Uh, Vince says they can do whatever they want because his disciples are willing to die for him anyway and give their life for the cause. Uh, so yeah, of course this ends up with a burning cross on the lawn. Where he references maybe he'll just show her the madness which as soon as I heard it I won't lie all I could think in my head was didn't she see that at 14 it's been stuck with me for about a week oh you wrote that down oh I did (laughs) I did Sable came out and showed photos from her photos uh, spread in Playboy slightly censored she talked about that being the last time anyone gets to see her without paying for it Tori said she'd gladly let everyone see her for free and took off her dress that's what baby faces do in 1999 folks yeah they get their kids off heel, uh, sorry baby face women yes. um, was this the one when Sable sits with Jerry and she gives yeah. him Playboy yeah. this was hilarious because it had to be a shoot because just the first of all the dirty look on her face like when she's showing him and the look on his face like yeah, yeah. and the look at sort of the fan's face behind yeah, him yeah, by yeah. the way and yeah Jerry's like looking to f- not fixing to fuck her anyway at this point and uh, <laughs> yeah she's just being a random whore um, 
was quite hilarious. <laughs> his, his reaction when she comes back and takes the Playboy off him. Yeah. Oh. This has got plenty more at home, which is a lie because he then goes and gets one from the Playboy Mansion. Exactly. So yeah, we are watching him. Uh, dedicated oh, no, viewers. That, he'd, he'd already got it. Oh, so yeah, there you go. He'd already got it. Well, he probably wasn't that surprised then to see it. So. The pages on that one probably stuck together. <laughs> by this point. Uh, yeah, from the Grosso, obviously. Uh, yeah. yeah. Triple H called out Kane. After Kane kicked his ass and pretty much treated him like a jobber, which I didn't kind of get a bit of amusement out of, to be quite honest, I won't lie. Uh, Vince comes down, begging for him to help with the uh, problems at home, and eventually Kane takes off his mask, revealing the Undertaker. He's there all along, snatches Vince, the lights go out. Vince is mic'd in the ring mm-hmm. as he's kind of asking Kane to help him, so you can hear Taker basically say that he can get Vince anytime he wants to. So that's the update on the top angle in the company, Undertaker and Vince. Leading to that boss man take a match, remember? Indeed, yeah. indeed. Our main event for this show is Austin and Mankind versus Rock and the newly christened Big Show in the main event. Um, great heat for the Austin Rock interaction. I fucking love this match. The, the contrast, Kieran, you point oh out between God. this and the Nitro main event of Goldberg Flair versus Hogan yeah. and Nash. I'm looking at Big Show on the apron thinking, this isn't what main events are like, because fucking Austin and Rock, particularly Rock for me, are working so hard. Yeah. And like, they're feeding off the crowd the crowd's feeding off them and they're, they're like s- this psychic connection together every little uh, movement gets a reaction from the other guy and you know appropriately um, it's just fantastic to watch and, and obviously there's a chemistry between the two and it's Rock Austin's calling it all the way through you can see but it's just they work so well together Rock's always on his, his mannerisms he's, he's fucking amazing yeah. and Austin is Austin he's, he's guy at this point so. but there's the key working together yeah. they're working together to benefit each other yeah. Whereas fancy we, that. Yeah. Novel concept that. Whereas we know what we're getting on Nitro. Hogan and Nash don't give a shit how the match turns out as long as they get themselves over. Well, that's it. If this was, can you imagine if Austin and Rock were, I don't know, supplanted with different personalities and were in WCW, like the top guy, desperate to protect his spot, the guy who's like a fucking ball of fire coming through, desperate for the top spot, desperate to get like the advantage over the other guy, the other guy desperate to hold him down. Yeah. They'd be hating each other. It'd be Sean and Brett. Yeah, totally would. So, um, and yeah so Sean and Brett you should be fucking embarrassed by yourselves <laughs> again indeed I mean again the magic between Austin and Rock is just it, it needs to be seen to be believed and obviously everyone knows but it's just it's the little things you, you don't he's pro wrestling he's, it's, he's beautiful to watch because the way for, I just I love it when you see a guy and he's always on always performing his, his stance his body stance when he's a heel he walks that kind of almost I don't know, kind of chest out, chest out. But his arms are out to the side, almost in this weird, despicable manner. Like he's, you see, his hands are showing that he's thinking about doing something despicable. He's, <laughs> I, I just love watching the guy; he's fantastic. Yeah, completely underrated as well as a, as a worker. As a worker, but yeah. as well, great as a babyface, incredible fire as a heel, fucking poise for days. Yeah. The main event of this, by the way, again, no finish. They just fight on the outside of the ring. Austin puts Rock through a table, and then. We've got to go, King. And Austin's music plays for about five seconds for no reason, and the show just goes off the air. Yeah. Well, I did not finish, but, yeah. <laughs> but the work was great. Raw fell from its record levels of the previous two weeks in the ratings, probably because they're trying to get too cute on the storylines with the Taker McMahon deal, is oh, the theory. Shit. But it did do a 5.8, so big drop actually from the 6.5 mm. of the week before. Nitro did a 4.3 rating this week. Over the head-to-head two hours and five minutes, Nitro only did a 4.0. 
opposite Raw's uh, 5.8. To show how gripping the Undertaker segment was, the Raw audience fell from a 6.3 to a 5.5 for the climax of the angle. In the final quarter, Raw won 5.4 to 4.1. However, in the overrun, Nitro actually won 5.4 to 5.25, the first segment, albeit for only 5 minutes, that Nitro has won against Raw in several weeks. Raw's biggest edge of the show was a 6.3 to a 3.4 for Sable doing her angle, which destroyed Conan versus is Disco Inferno. <laughs> Bow wow wow. So yeah, that's the yeah, that's the scoop. Eric Bischoff returned from France for the Nitro show after rumours were swirling all week that he may be quitting the company. Bischoff had apparently privately told some stars in the company he was considering leaving and still seemed disinterested at Nitro. At the pay-per-view the previous night, the talk was all over the place and speculation was running wild about what would happen uh, if Bischoff left. Well, it's nice to see he's learned one thing from Hogan. Uh, and that's you know leave when the chips Jedi. are down yeah. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely Bret Hart was at Nitro backstage but wasn't booked on the show well you know. he's supposed to be starting to do an angle with Goldberg to build to something in Toronto it says but again nothing from here week off they're, they're surely to God Lynn, they're not going to Canada are they <laughs> yeah they actually are they going actually to Canada are go. for the first time in 18 they've had Bret for 18 months and now they're finally going to Canada woohoo anyway I don't know if this is a sign of the pressure getting to people or not, but Ric Flair finally blew up and responded to Shane Douglas on WCW Live this week, saying, Everything he's done in his life, he's done behind the scenes, and he's cried about everything and everybody. If it's not me, it's Nash. If it's not Nash at all, if it's not Hortz McMahon. If it's not McMahon, it's Bischoff. At some point in time, you've got to look in the mirror, Shane. Do you think that fans listen to that shit? <laughs> I'm happy that he's making money where he's at, because you'll never go anywhere else. <laughs> he's, you know, been given the opportunity, and some guys cut it, and some guys don't. You tell him, 90 days after he takes the needle out of his ass, anywhere, anytime with me, and I'm 50 years old. As a matter of fact, my son Reed with the needle out of his ass will beat him in record time. If I'm Bob Barker, which is what Shane had called him, then he's Barney Fife, says Ric Flair. I bet Davey couldn't beat him, though. No. (laughs) I'd I'd put money on Charlotte beating him before David did. Hmm, yeah. Yeah, probably. But he said that... Read with the needle out of his ass? Yeah, Is he insinuating that his child's on steroids? At the age of, what, 10, 11 here? Something like that. Hmm. Well, there's, I don't really want to go into the uh, Reed Flair needles discussion. It's probably best left alone, to be quite honest. On the WWF announcer front, there was actually dialogue a few months back with Michael Landsberg of Off the Record about being the new host of Raw with the idea of it being permanent. But he was told by TSN he'd have to drop his show because of the credibility factor of shilling for wrestling. Uh, so he didn't pursue it any further. But yeah, so in the ongoing replacement of Jim Ross trials, Michael Cole, eh, Terry Taylor, eh, Michael Landsberg gets the call of all people. I do like Off the Record. but I, uh, I like Off the Record, but I... Just, it seems difficult to sort of just dismiss it out of hand without <coughs> without him having actually you know, without us having some sort of track record to look at. But yeah. you you get the sense knowing how he is on his show, he can have a tendency to to interrupt his guests, can't he? Yeah. When he when he's trying to sort of get get a, a specific answer to something, he, he can be quite intrusive when it comes to letting them get their get their piece out. And I would just imagine on commentary he'd have a tendency to talk over things. Plus the thing with Landsberg... I don't think would work too well. No, agreed. But I think the thing with Landsberg too was like a lot of those interviews he would do, he was always prepped, the questions were always prepped by Jeff Merrick of Live Audio Wrestling, so I don't think he was massively knowledgeable. It's a completely different job. Yeah, of course. His job is to... Yeah, okay. Relay information that Vince wants. Exactly. Um... The notion doesn't surprise me. I mean, they tried to sign fucking Mike Goldberg not so long ago, so... Exactly. It's not exactly a foreign concept. 
Um, and Goldberg's fucking atrocious. Yeah. <laughs> well, there you go. Um, interesting notes about the women in WWE, particularly Sable. Sable is taking acting lessons because people have floated the idea to her about being a regular in a TV series. The Playboy issue is on the verge of being the best seller in the history of the magazine for real. Yeah, I think this week it was up to top selling in the last 15 years. Yeah. Mm. I saw the episode of Relic Hunter she was on. Wasn't much cop. <laughs> So happy with the ratings for the uh, women's segments of the WWF, they actually did a casting call for women wrestlers for a proposed glow-like show this past week in Los Angeles. Uh, Jim Ross, Bruce Pritchard, and Rick Bassman of UPW fame headed it with their women bodybuilders, powerlifters, fitness girls, stunt women, and martial arts women for a possible new women's television show modelled after the gorgeous ladies of wrestling show with their pretty women, bad wrestling, and lots of skits. The deal for the show, which, if the deal is completed, will start airing in September on the UPN network. The deal's not completed but the WF is interested in six to eight women of course this would become Smackdown the original idea was it for it to be a women only show yeah, yeah indeed based basically on the fact that Sable is doing these monster ratings every single week Scott Steiner was sentenced to 10 days in jail on March 17th in the case where he hit a Department of Transportation worker with his Ford pickup last April. He was ordered to pay $25,000 in fines, fees and restitution and sentenced to 7 years probation and 200 hours of community service for the big bad booty daddy this week. So, uh, poor Scott. Poor Scotty. Hard on his luck. He's hard on his luck. Yeah. Uh, it's a virtual certainty that Steve Austin will be taking the title at WrestleMania. At some point, the Undertaker-McMahon angle is now expected to have it at some point come out that Linda McMahon and the Undertaker are working together against Vince and Shane. I thought you were going to say a banging then. That would have been hilarious. M- might be. Maybe. Oh, both creatures of the night. Seems <laughs> <laughs> like Linda's a freak. Yeah. <laughs> uh, maybe she should give Scott a number. I just thought that would be money. So... Yeah, that's the kind of idea and focus that WWF has. At least, at least they ha- they know Austin taking title at WrestleMania, virtual certainty. They got an idea for this man take a thing. They got their plans. WCW, on the other hand, Spring Stampede, the next pay per view, has a tentative plan of being Ric Flair, Diamond Dallas Page, and Booker T versus Hulk Hogan, Kevin Nash, and Dusty Rhodes as the main event. Rhodes is being thrust into the spotlight because Scott Hall may be retiring from wrestling. It's basically... Oh, <laughs> it's, <I'm... laughs> it's Hall retiring is basically the insistence of his ex-wife who he's trying to get back with, who has long felt the only way he can be well is to be away from wrestling. So I don't know why Dusty's in there. So the idea is to, to call up the ball of the woods. The well, bo- there's the no words. depth to this show, obviously. Well, and only five guys can work, and if you're losing Scott Hall, that's, you're you... down to four. And Dusty's apparently on the other yeah. ones. Dusty's so, on the periphery of. So what's Dusty so, Rhodes being in consideration for? So is Booker being turned heel by that in that sense? You would think so. I don't know. Don't oh, know look, me. here's a babyface gaining momentum. Let's <laughs> sort him out. They did, they did say tentative plan, Carl. <laughs> tentative plan, indeed. This is a good one. This is this is one of my favourites. Vince McMahon appeared on Fox on Sports on March twenty first. He claimed he went on the show to confront Phil Mushnick, of course of the New York Post fame, who he was promised would be there, and Phil was a liar and a coward because he didn't show up. McMahon pulled a power play on the show and won, and by winning may have exposed himself in many people's eyes as being the true coward and liar. McMahon uh, got to the Fox Studios in New York before the show and threatened to walk out because Mushnick wasn't there because the plan was for him to be there by phone, and it always was, and they told him that in advance. Vince told the producers they were going to walk out if Mushnick was put on. The producers, having plugged McMahon for one week, agreed to not put Mushnick on and let McMahon have the segment to himself. When live on the air, Vince then said that Mushnick was a coward and a liar because he didn't show up. 
He wasn't lying. What a prick. What a prick. Oh, I don't like that. <laughs> that's, Vince, that's Vince in his element. Great that is. power play from the Vin man. <laughs> Although most of the shows of late with WWF wrestlers have drawn great TV ratings, the Poltergeist episode with The Undertaker only did a 2.6, which sounds okay on the surface, but he that preceded it did a 4.9. <laughs> so we talked about that 70s show doing an 8.5, and Nash Bridges doing a 9.6, and Sable on Pacific Blue doing a fucking 5. Undertaker, hmm, his segment's losing a lot of ratings juice. Hmm. Curious this. Let's move now to the following episode of Nitro and Raw, March 22nd, because it's spring break, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, it's Panama City, it's Club La Vila, it's, it's the... fucking Ricky Ratman. It's Ricky Ratman. That fucker. That guy all over this. I am... So... I've had enough of him already. When I, I, I realised he was going to be all over the show, I, I wasn't. That I, fucking I, I blue thought, streak in his hair. I air. thought we were safe when we got through January and we got past that Nitro party at the Georgia Dome. I thought I was going to be okay, but no... Throughout the weeks, I've been subjected to Ricky Rackman crisscrossing the country with these shitty nitro pies in front of a bunch of frat boys who are all hoping to tag team the nitro girls and they probably won't get anywhere near them. No. How about that promo with Rackman and Mysterio, by the way? That was really something for Oh, for fuck's sake. Here we are at the nitro party where they're judging a pizza eating contest. (laughs) No! You're supposed to get fucking drunk! Well, I don't oh, know. You bunch of fucking losers. <laughs> <laughs> so you got Ricky Rackman doing his thang. Van Hammer versus Bull Payne. Well, we did say what? we weren't trying with that first hour. What? An eight-man lucha match with Disco Inferno and Drum Masker's La Cucaracha. Doing Stone Cold Stunners to everybody, by the way. You get Ric Flair and JJ Dillon doing one of those interviews the announcers don't know about, saying he'll go out there and challenge Goldberg, Hogan and Nash, and everyone to put their names in a fishbowl, but he'll only have the cruiserweights and lower card guys in the bowl. Of course, the announcers were then praising Flair for willing, being willing to face anyone later in the show. Yeah, we should say at this point that the announcers haven't clicked on the heel, uh, that Flair's a heel. No. So they're not, they're not playing that up all. They're still going down the tradition thing, that, which was like a buzzword for two weeks, I think, before mm. this. Yeah, of course the key here, and it's as it, in context what we just heard about the planned spring stampede main events might make a lot more sense. Dusty Rhodes' interview on this show, where he still thinks he's the bull of the woods. Dusty and Flair apparently were in cahoots, and then Flair reneged on his promise to make him the commissioner or an announcer after it had happened. Yeah, basically the story is this is this is for, this, not foreshadowing the turn because the turn's already taken place two weeks ago. This is the explanation, I guess. The uh that the flair has been making promises and acting in one way but you know now he's actually got the power he's uh, i guess you know the true flair's coming out now yeah true flair dusty yeah, says but- that he was going to replace Zabisco yes. or he could replace Tanay. he actually had the audacity to call himself the greatest athlete on the face of the earth today it's just 50 something years old no. dusty Rhodes getting this I promo thought, i thought you were just going to re- 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 i thought you were just going <laughs> to refer to his weight in stone um <laughs> now in deference to rick flair We've all heard Dusty Rhodes' commentary. If I was in Flair's position, I'd renege on that promise as well. <laughs> I just... Dusty having Rhodes. said that. Dusty Rhodes. Having said that. Unbelievable. Larry Zbysko is pretty fucking insufferable. Every, the start of every fucking Nitro. Getting up from the crowd, putting his headpiece down to do his little shitty salute. When nine, <laughs> when nine times, I love it. I love nine it. times out of ten, they're not actually chanting his fucking name anyway. Oh, they they're just are. They're they cheering. They love him. They're, they're chanting for Larry. And if you had to fucking listen through Shivani recap 
last week's Nitro, then I think I'd get it from that announce table too. <laughs> uh, Ric Flair comes out for an interview and Raven comes out and chants into a title match. And here I was thinking, oh my god, some progression. This is kind of out of nowhere, but okay, we'll take it. Flair then says uh, you can go and get Canyon and Russell Benoit and Malenko for the tag title since they'd won them the uh, previous week at Uncensored. Of course, uh, Canyon's not there. Flair knows that. And uh, Flair tells him, well, you have to wrestle by yourself. So Raven goes, okay, and just shrugs his shoulder and walks off. Hmm. Uh, of course, when the match actually happens, Perry Saturn comes out to be Raven's partner, of all people. This is fucking bollocks. Yeah. <laughs> so go ahead. So, <clears throat> so yeah, Malenko and Benoit a double team in uh, Raven's start. We're kicking the shit out of him. Don't pin him, though. Uh, he takes something. He rolls to the outside in... Uh, not opposite where the heel team are, but you know, one of the t- 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 to the right, a to the left corner, yeah, a neutral corner to to the left of, of the heel tag team. Uh, Saturn comes out. The commentary team haven't got a, a reason for it. They're just again confused, like everyone else. Uh, but it's you know the match doesn't stop. It's they just start beating Saturn. So they surmise, I guess, it's made a tag match. Mm. The summation was correct because then when Perry Saturn makes the hot tag to Raven, who is only just getting up in the neutral corner that counts as a legal tag and uh, yeah that's uh, that's about it just <laughs> fucking bollocks they, they, they think they win the tag belts but of course there's a belt shot right before so they don't actually win the tag yes. belts yeah that horseman group's looking particularly strong again isn't it can I just to say to say nothing of the fact <laughs> to say nothing of the fact that emphasising this pro- nothing says progression like let's stick Saturn back with Raven yeah I know isn't it great? <sighs> round and round we go. Actually, I, I, I meant to mention... Circling the drain. <laughs> I, mentioned, I wanted to mention this in the previous weeks, but how fucking stupid did Malenko and Benoit look wrestling Hennig and Wyndham? These deceptively huge guys, yeah. and Malenko's in there throwing these punches looking like a mini. It's, it just looks ridiculous. Um, also, on this show, they brought out fitness models with Hogan and Nash. Um, Nash threatened to powerbomb Ricky Rackman unless he picked Toy Wilson to be Miss NWO and then said, Sable, eat your heart out, which led to the fans chanting Sable. <laughs> nice. Well done, Booker. Did you say heart out? Yes. Oh, not. No, not that, no. I won't lie. Because that wasn't another Playboy edition. No. As, <laughs> as terrible as Nash is as Booker, and as much as some of these nitros have reminded me why I spent many years hating him, if he'd have actually power-bombed Rackman, yeah. I would have loved him forever. Yeah. 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 Of course, Nash as the, uh, had positioned himself to be in the angle with the fitness models after seeing the success of the women on WWE. And, of course, right after that segment, Goldberg pins Hack. So he's trying to use the Goldberg uh, momentum to kind of boost his own quarter hour too. Goldberg... Let's emphasise... Go- sorry, sorry to cut in there, Kieran, but just you're going to say the same thing. <laughs> emphasise Goldberg bumble fucking around by wrestling hack. How long does this go? Way too long. Way too long. Goldberg starting to wrestle <laughs> against hack. Yeah, that's all you need to know. That's all you need to know. Bret Hart comes out and does a funny interview. This it amused was me. Was funny. It amused me. It still pissed me off again though because my it should have been the focus should have been by Bret that Goldberg's a fucking man. Yeah. He should have hit home that he was screwed. He's a real champion. This okay. I'm making this stuff up because this is because someone should. This is why I'd want to at least try and save the thing. He says, okay, first of all, Flair. He's got you know, Flair's got a fucking axe to grind with him. Fine, he's a president and he's going here. That makes sense. He then says Hogan, who obviously is now the big baby face. Hogan and Bret are the two biggest stars ever in pro wrestling. They've never fought, so let's get it on. So Hogan, obviously, is still the focal point of everyone's promos. Yeah. And he finally gets to Goldberg. Yes. Um. 
which was amusing though when he says again name dropping the big stars you're calling out Steve Austin well I, I beat Steve Austin every time I fought him <laughs> great, great line yeah that might be next week but in, oh is in, it that's, that's next oh, week no. in the big day. The, the, this oh, is the, the one the show is there okay yeah no this is the one where because here this is where Bret Hart just comes out with his little hockey jersey and his unimpressed look on his face and says came to WCW to earn a reputation not to lose one which is just classic Brett but yeah pretty good here and of course he rags on Goldberg of course he mentions Hogan because as we mentioned Bischoff's big idea was Brett and Hogan at Halloween Havoc foreshadowing genius indeed Um, Scott Steiner who calls himself the missionary man by the way on the show (laughs) I love it beats Chris Jericho once again like a drum Uh, finally he'd be more adventurous for a freak but no the missionary man no no Um, and in the main event Ric Flair at the fishbowl draws Rey Mysterio Jr who who wins by who does Mysterio win this match by DQ or does Flair? I can't no, remember. Uh, Mysterio, I think, should have won by DQ, but Little Nate rings the bell. That's it for and Flair. Just, yeah, and just awards yeah, yeah. the match to Flair, who then ends up in the drink. Yeah, that's right. This right. match, this match didn't work at all. Complete style. It was horrible. So oh, many spots. bloody hell! Did Flair look awful in this match? Flair right, didn't look any better. No, he didn't look good. But like, it was like I don't know if it was just Flair was trying to do. Some, mm, uh, it's like but, he went in with the mentality of doing that and they were just never on the same page no but then why should they be any different to anyone else on the show the rest of the show did nothing for anybody else yeah it should just be exactly the same yeah so the finish of this is Anderson pulls uh, Little Nate out the ring when Ray has him pinned uh, Arn tells Robinson to raise Flair's hand and he does <laughs> so DQ I guess is the official call and after the match Mysterio Jr. kicks Flair over the barricade into the annual bump into the swimming pool <laughs> to end the show apropos finish for a company that's sinking says Dave Meltzer <laughs> Flair's been heel two weeks now yes and for all intents and purposes it seems that the guys he screwed over were the fucking heels who brought the business into disrespect disrepute whatever um, when they did the finger poke they're the only guys they've screwed over but Flair's now a heel but he's done to actually everyone. really not a lot heelish apart from okay ducking, his attitude generally and it's never been emphasized on or, oh wow was was it who was the guy in the boat was it Hector Garza the plan was number 23 was supposed to be I it wasn't Garza who was it Garza probably wasn't uh, some b- fucking b- 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 some guy some jobber anyway hopefully El Dandy <laughs> might have been El Dandy let's say it was just for whatever um He's got Dandy's holding number three, and he's, he's twenty-three, and, and he's got his. <laughs> that's it. You agree with Brett? Yeah. <laughs> Brett Hart said so. Yes. Um, uh, Dandy's got his hand, or Dandy or whoever's got his arm in in, in a, like a sling or whatever. So it was like a work. It was they were trying to set up so Flair could have this easy night off. And Rem Stereo obviously didn't draw number twenty-three. Steals it off Dandy by just taking it off him. While Dandy looks confused, and Ray kind of says, "Ah, don't worry about it," and just walks out. <laughs> <laughs> so Mysterio's a thief anyway so yeah. he didn't even deserve the match so. no so that, that, that's how you set up your, uh, your main event that's how you set up a main event baby yeah good stuff so opposite this on Raw the go home show for Wrestlemania of course famously the beer truck angle to start the show with uh, Vince, Shane and Rock in the ring Austin comes out on the beer truck and we get a battle of catchphrase laden interviews here yeah but between the two but it's the contrast is so beautiful Rock's there t- speaking poetically I think actually Possibly we use that. Um, you know, about driving you down Nova or Boulevard and yeah. checking you into the SmackDown Hotel. Austin just comes out and says, I'm checking into room 316 and burn that son of a bitch to the ground. Such passion. Crowd like, goes nuts. Just think, it's like Rock's, it's great because Rock's there and he's been this pseudo face. He's been so fucking entertaining and great. Austin comes out and it's like, fuck that shit. Fuck your nursery rhymes. I'm burning your hotel to the ground. And it's yeah. like the place, it's like, fuck you. I'm going to, I'm kicking your ass. It's like, yeah. that's Steve Austin. It's fucking great. Yeah. And it's, it's, I love it because like Rock goes up and by all rights, if he cut that promo today, he'd be God, the Rock. And then Austin comes out and cuts the money promo of how he's just going to win and he's going to take that belt. 
fantastic and of course ends up with the beer being sprayed on Vince, Shane and Rock and Vince swims in the ring lovely, lovely bit of ham acting from Vince there and sometimes it it, uh, it can be quite terrible like the teddy bear angle no oh, indeed but, uh, but in this instance I, I thought it was wonderful so the teddy bear angle it was him trying to be serious yeah though, this is pure this ham is pure sandwich. ham sandwich yeah. 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 This based is, on that right this, off this the is, bone this, this is that juicy juicy morsel <laughs> yeah this is this is a sort of the old Adam's apple swallow that he does type of thing isn't it <laughs> it's all oh, it's, it's, it is great and again red hot crowd for this segment and oh. say again this is remember this angle to this day that's the impact of a go home angle NWO ever show their asses like this no never never, never. never. And again, this uh, the reason I loved this when I watched. I was dying for like, you know, Rock, yeah, Rock and Austin obviously they had the hot match the week before, but that was really the first kind of big interplay they had had. And yeah, in this too, there hadn't been enough up to this. No, point. not at all. They really saved a lot of the Rock and Austin uh, interplay for after WrestleMania to set up backlash. Weirdly enough, also on this episode of Raw, Road Dog versus Billy Gunn, title for title, ends of course with run-ins from their opponents at WrestleMania in their two separate matches. Um, LOD does return actually in a backstage brawl with the Stooges which is real blinking you'll miss it affair um, Sable is beats Rocco Rock back there as well uh, I'm not sure actually <laughs> I'm not sure um, Sable beats Irene in a fucking horrific match by oh, the way terrible yeah this goes like one minute and they like load it up with like people like running in or walking around commentary and just trying to distract from the fact this is awful yep. the powerbomb at and the end takes three goes <laughs> <coughs> poor Delo stood out there it's just sort of Walking around wondering what he did to deserve this. <laughs> especially Poor Dealer. Especially, Dealer. These three yeah. months have killed him. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it was only three or four weeks before, and where he's pointing to that wonderful sign in the crowd with the head bobbing back and forth. <laughs> oh, which is great. It was just marvellous. Yeah. But now he's just there as a secondary to Ivory. Yeah, yeah. Just, he's tapered off. He's yeah. farting around with Jarrett and Owen for the tag title match at Mania, which is just completely. And there's, and there's no sexual chocolate inside. Well, he's injured, actually. I think I think, I think he got another injury and he was uh, on the sidelines. Probably grief or shame from the <laughs> January angle I don't know um, Mankind beats The Rock by disqualification in 6 minutes when Paul White chokeslams Mankind for the DQ uh, Mankind is really hurting and couldn't do much in this match and really wasn't nothing to write home about at all um, Kane versus Goldust was scheduled but it was painfully obvious that Goldust nose had grown and had to be Triple H who shot a flamethrower at Kane for the go home angle for Wrestlemania why not? <laughs> a flamethrower an enormous fucking ball of flames shot at Kane and he's back next week. He pretty much uses a weapon, weapon of mass destruction on, on, yeah. on Kane. And uh, he did su- suffer superficial burns to the exposed skin. <laughs> Which is what, his hand? <laughs> yeah, ear. Is he, yeah, maybe, maybe. And the fans really didn't care that much. No. No. Triple H is really on a roll this month for his WrestleMania match, isn't oh, he? Oh, yeah. Uh, Shane and his childhood buddies from the videos attacked X-Pac behind the arena which I thought was hilarious when he like jumped in the car and ride up the Corvettes <laughs> yeah the car he jumps in the vet and he's just like Shane yeah. just there <laughs> Shane and the party we didn't get enough of them I love yeah I mean we got we got, we got our share in 99 but I would like more you know reckon you, who, you who doesn't I no, loved it too much would be too much maybe no, but I, I want to I, get to that point I, I could have done with a, a few more bits of the silhouette of Willie Green mm. I'd have yeah. been happy with that yeah Undertaker and the Acolytes go up against Ken Shamrock, the boss man test. They wind up brawling until the lights go out in two minutes, and that's the end of that. <laughs> All right. I didn't complain about that. Though. No, neither did oh, I. No, it only went two minutes. We should be thankful for small mercies. Of course, this is your build to take a boss man hell in a cell at WrestleMania 15. And in our main event, that's right, for free, Steve Austin pins Paul White after about three or four chair shots in a row and a stone cold stunner. The crowd was so molten for this, especially near the finish. 
They go absolutely ballistic. But why, why, why? That's all I can think. Why would you do this now? Burnt through it so fucking fast. They've 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 debuted him. They've had him fuck up. They've done the the more than once. More than once they've had the the uh, the problems within the corporation, and now his his first loss to a but, big star. Not even just first loss. If I might, I think I've got this right. Up to this point, he hasn't won a match. <laughs> he hasn't won a match. The best he's done is a non-finish. Yeah. Is any of this? <laughs> this, this, this. I think this. Sorry, Kieran. So, to I, just, I, think I, my I think this goes back to the point you made last week, where by the time we get here, Vince doesn't want him. Or, or maybe that's maybe that's a bit too harsh. He wants him, but only in as much as it fucks with WCW and shows them in a shit light. By this point, he doesn't really care. He's got no plans for him. I, He's just another body to, to feed to Austin and, and the way they're teasing the dissension to rock as well. Yeah, I think the uh, it's a bit of, by this point, by the time the signing buys was more, they didn't need him like they did need him when they agreed the deal and he's definitely overpaying for him for 10 years. Um, <laughs> and there's also the fact that this guy's come from WCW. As a loser. As a loser. You know, Squashing him minute by Goldberg. And we've got kind of a finite crew here. We can't leave guys off TV for six months at a time like they do. Um, even though they've got no talent themselves, <laughs> um, apparently. So I, I can I understand that, but why not just bring him in and, and uh, you can use him differently. You, can, you still have him as a killer, killing mid car guys. Yeah. And keep him away from that because he's not doing anything anyway that, that matters. No, there's you, no. You're point throwing away one match of Austin. What? What? Why sign him if you're going to do that? So. Yeah, complete, complete. I was I, even as even at the time I was gobsmacked as a kid that they did this match as they did because I always thought. This will be like SummerSlam, or mm. this will be next year's WrestleMania. You know, they'll build up to this surely because he's the you know they want him to be the next Andre, don't they? I was thinking, look at this what you got Austin, not quite fifteen years undefeated here for <laughs> the son of Andre. You got Austin. Rock's gonna go face. We know that it's after backlash. It's not gonna take long. It's basically in terms of pulling the trigger on it, and they've decided to go. They've decided to take as a face now. Mm. So. Why is he? The, why is? How can you afford to have big? Show? What heels have you got going forward to afford that? You're just throwing away a million dollars on on yeah. on this guy who should at least be something. Yeah. At least give you some fucking quality jobs, not just throw it away on TV. Is it just that WCW bit of break them down syndrome to build them up because yeah, well. you don't want to bring them in hot straight away? I yeah, don't well, know. okay. What well, imagine the commentary on WCW if. Uh, Big Show had gone. Uh, okay, well, okay, he's not going to beat Steve Austin, but if they did, that yeah, would build them up the bit. Austin, they just show Goldberg beat him in a minute. Yeah, it's more yeah. After the match, uh, Rock puts Austin down with the rock bottom, so he finally gets some heat on Austin. The first time this whole fucking build up he has done, and Big Show, Paul White, gets right up from the pin after all the fucking chair shots and stunner it took. So that's their way to protect him. The WWF nearly set another Raw record with a 6.4 rating. Uh, it did set the all-time record for the biggest ratings gap as Nitro fell to a 3.95. Oh, that's painful. <laughs> oh, that one stings. That does sting. Below a 4. Oh, put some ice on that one. <laughs> it only took two weeks to lose another fucking half point after 2. the... 2.5 uh, between yeah. them. Wow. Yeah. 2.5 between them. And worse, head-to-head, the two head-to-head hours, Nitro only did a 3.5. So 6.4 to 3.5 So what does that shitty first hour do? The shitty first hour did a 4.7 Fucking hell Oh so Yeah 4.76 So 4.8 basically So the first hour did a 4.8 Unopposed And then the two head-to-head hours From Nitro did a combined 3.5 To raw 6.4 An almost 3 point gap Jesus in the final quarter hour, with Nitro having Scott Steiner versus Chris Jericho and Raw having Austin versus White, <laughs> dude, I, think, oh, dude. I, I think if you main evented with Jesus versus Muhammad, they're not pulling that gap around. Yeah. <laughs> 
In the final quarter, with Nitro having Steiner versus Jericho and Raw having Austin versus White, it was an outright destruction to the tune of 7.1 to 2.9. 29! <laughs> 2.9! In the overrun five minutes, the climax of Austin vs. White did a 7.65, which translates to more than 8.6 million total views for the one show. Mysterio vs. Flair in the main event did a 3.5. Wow, well, maybe they didn't build Ray like they thought. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, maybe, uh, maybe, maybe turning Flair heel was a bad idea. Mm. Maybe they shouldn't have thrown away that, that big show match as well. But Mind you, last week going into Mania, I understand that. Yeah. I'll, 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 no, I'm, I'm not giving a pass on that one. This was... Flair was really upset after the show about the match with Mysterio obviously because it was awful anyway but before the ratings came in he was certain they'd get destroyed by Austin versus White so he was right Diamond Dallas Page was back at Nitro this week but left with Eric Bischoff before the show even started even head booker Kevin Nash left the show before it was even over (laughs) (laughs) they've thrown him in the on this bad boy the the first hour was a big draw an hour now so you have to stay for the second second yeah. yeah fuck that there is talk of doing angles based on the conflict reported on the internet in WCW. They were especially, nah, they'll never do that. Especially interested in Conan versus Luger and Hart versus Nash. Who who is? Booker Kevin Nash. Oh. Based based on the the dirt sheets. Okay. Hmm. I'd have had more sympathy if Nash had sat down. Well, one of the few people that's made me look good in the ring is Brett. <laughs> yeah. A couple of days after the awful destruction of Nitro, Ric Flair gets a phone call and is asked to drop the title at the next Nitro. <laughs> There's your scapegoat. Wow. Ric Flair. Why do they decide to put the belt on him anyway? Because they... Th- they was it to facilitate the heel turn? Okay. Yeah. I'm just wondering. And then for whoever to beat him back. Just, Hogan probably beat him back. I just think it's interesting. You, got the, you look at this chronology of it. Um, they don't know what the fuck they're they doing, do they? They don't know what they're doing, but why would they go to Flair? You don't... The way they've treated Flair like um, recently, you, why, why go to that unless it's the scapegoat thing? They know it's okay. It's the last good thing. Remember as well, this is the last few weeks building to WrestleMania when WWE, in theory, should be WWF should be at its highest. Yeah, that, that makes all that makes all the more sense for that to be the line. Yeah, thinking. Scapegoat, get, scapegoat. get the belt off Hogan, get it on Flair. Let it's it not, bomb. It's not <laughs> Hogan's fault then. Did you remain a main event with a small guy, <laughs> Mysterio? Yeah, after Nash has killed him. Yeah. Put him in there, let him fail. Shit, what are we going to do? And then Nash well, gets the belt back, is not he? I know what we could do. We could put the belt on me. Or, or you. <laughs> we can put it back on you, Hulk. The belt, the, uh, unbelievable at this point. The, 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 three months we've like flipped around. Um, that's, that's, the, that's the line. The line for that tag match. Shivani goes, so we've got Flair, Goldberg, Nash and Hogan in the ring. And Shivani goes, all these men are former world champions. And I'm thinking, all these men are former world champions in the last four months, you fucking idiot. <laughs> and it's not, it's stuff, shit like that is just left to go on. It's like, it's, it, oh, everyone knows it. So we have to, there's no emphasis to put on storylines no, in this company. Nothing at all. Shit happens, and the commentators are almost like innocent bystanders who just commentate on, or, or fill in the gaps. They but, don't, f- no fucking stories, but, hardly any stories, are really hammered home. And if they are, they're shit. Yeah. But to some extent, it's a bit of a struggle. To some extent, I've got sympathy for them in the sense of, then, Why? No, because there's. It's only a, a modicum, I admit, but you know, you've got these horrible, <laughs> shitty vignettes that they're not clued in on. So, you know, it's not as if they're. You can't imagine they're fed the stuff appropriately in the first instance. And then, yeah, okay, on the other hand, Bobby's probably drunk, and I can't blame him. Skiavone's just. 
he checked out months ago and and Tanay is Tanay is a hideous play-by-play guy who's only ever been useful in that sort of you know the the equivalent of sort of the, the stats man when he was talking about you bring him in for the cruise rates and there's some you know background stuff there that's where Tanay is useful outside of that god I don't want to hear him yeah uh, so, over in the WWF, just to show that not all uh, creative plans are great ones, they did suggest Ken Shamrock doing an incest angle, where he'd be caught basically under the sheets with Ryan, as the explanation for why he was so jealous about the other men uh, touching her. Ken Shamrock flat out refused to do it. It so, can be uh, done tastefully. How? Surely he saw those episodes of Brookside back in the day. <laughs> why? And what? <laughs> I, there's a reference I don't get there oh some people on the uh, UK, UK fan forum, forum will understand that they'll love that yeah <laughs> no. so of course with that said we move to March 28th it's WWF Russomania 15 18,274 fans sell out the building a 2.23 buy rate for 830,000 buys just shy of the previous year, so it did not, in fact, become the uh, biggest pay-per-view as they had anticipated going in. There was a lot of talk about how they thought it was going to break a million buys. Didn't do it, but 830,000 domestic, nothing to be sneezed at by any stretch. Well, maybe if you fucking focus on your two guys who are your fucking megastars and not Undertaker, who has never done anything. Yeah. Is there a moral to this fucking timeline? One of the morals of this timeline is that fucking... Does it matter if Taker's there or not? <laughs> Apart from Highway to Hell, which... But, but he's the conscience. Oh, is he? He's the cornerstone, Okay, allegedly. All right, so let's talk cliff notes about some of this show, because this is not a good WrestleMania. No. This this show does its buy rate purely off the back of Austin Rock and nothing else. And the show is pretty much Austin Rock in the main event. I feel saving this show. Shane and X-Pac did a commendable job, don't get me wrong. Yeah, no, that wasn't... That was going in that was far better than it had any right to be and by the way can I just point out once again how much Xbox Eclipse Triple H this month he's been great he's, 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 fuck, he's the best worker in the company at this yeah. point in terms of like, pure athletics in the ring he's but, so much fun to watch but after this month or after this show rather oh that's it from there yep. this is it cut off at the knees Bart Gunn gets fucking obliterated oh <laughs> I, God, that was you know what in my, in my daily life at work I fantasise about beating people up sometimes only sometimes this made me realise I should never be in a fight with the size of my neck given the, the way Bart Gunn's neck elasticates around all over the shop in a sick man I thought if anyone ever hits me like that my head will come off it was <laughs> disturbing yeah, great who, <laughs> who could have predicted that a actual professional boxer fat bastard though he may be an actual professional boxer would beat a wrestler who was pretending to be a boxer for the better part of six months who could have foreseen that? What I love. Was I can that. I can tell you who did, which is The Rock, who outright said this is going to end badly. Steve Austin, however, thought Bart Gunn was going to win, and apparently a lot of the wrestlers thought Bart had a chance. Idiots. Steve <laughs> clearly raided the beer truck after Raw. <laughs> so, so great about this. Bart comes out and he's got he's got nice boxing pants now. He's like all blue. He silk. looks like a he's a legit deal. He looks like now, with like one half jab. And he's like, fuck that. Uh, Shit. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm out of my depth. What have I done? Sable versus Toys at Women's Wrestling back to 1930. So there's your International Women's Day reference for you. This match is fucking terrible. Apparently that you uh, in the crowd, you could hear live Sable complaining about being stiffed in this match, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Uh, also, in, in actual serious news here, 
the big boss man passes away Damn it. after being defeated in a horrific Hell in a Cell match <laughs> boring at least the young boys get to fly what? Oh, oh yeah, lost, yeah, lost, yeah, lost yeah, boys. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Okay. The bruise. The Japanese. No, I think of the Japanese horror film. No, see, you say that, but after we've sat through the shower of shit that is the match itself, and the pantomime level badness that is the hanging, you have Gangrel just dangling around in the fucking air. Whatever contraption they're using to string him back up hasn't worked properly for him. So whilst the other two are disappearing, he's just there with his arse in the breeze. Yellow. I'd like to to come down now. And just to to hammer home the gravity, the gravity that is... The boss man being hung, as he's there, still hung in the middle of the ring. Symbolically. 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 Uh-huh. <clears throat> Let's show you what happened last night at the raid party. Because <laughs> oh, one can't greet forever. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a few uh. things we got to mention on this show. You have China turning babyface to side back with Triple H. Who then later turns heel with China on X Pac and joining the corporation, which turns Kane Babyface by proxy. You have the big show's historic first turn first, in the company. Those of you keeping score, that's number one. Numero uno in the WWF on this show. And uh, also, Jim Ross returns and calls the main event like nothing ever happened. Yeah, like after all those comedy skits where we're trying to turn him heel and get you to like Michael Cole, they realised, oh fuck. Was, He's just much better, no, isn't he? No, it wasn't there. It wasn't even that. What? It wasn't even that, no. The, there's only one reason I believe and Liam will correct me if I'm you're, wrong you're, you are correct is, I know what you're going to say there is one reason JR's calling that match it's got nothing to do with them realising the error of their ways Steve, or seeing Austin, the positive Steve, Austin. Steve Austin and The Rock go to really? Vince McMahon <laughs> and say we want JR calling the match yep. excellent that is, that is the note that they got here is Austin his personal insistence that JR be the one to call the match awesome so there you go awesome um, so that's the show Austin wins the title and again I think the match is very very enjoyable and the closing scene is perfect where Vince is lying on his back Austin's got his foot on him beer in one hand belt in the other people just pissing their pants with joy that Austin's on top of the world again let's move to the next night the night after Wrestlemania Gangrel's still are you going to Nitro first because I can't wait to see how they respond I was going to go Raw first we can go Nitro first if you like yeah let's let's see how they fire back alright then so we are in fact believe it or not in Canada <laughs> Toronto gets their first Nitro I can't believe it and we kick it off with David and Tori doing another video talking about how Hulk Hogan is like a father to David and Ric Flair is a loser David's really coming out of his shell now though you know, you know, honestly, he spent. He, he does look at. He looks Tory in the eye like at least twice. Yeah. yeah so. Hogan told Tory uh, the story about beating Kevin Nash and acted like it was an epic encounter and that he, he beat. Obviously, back in January fourth with the finger poke, acting like he, he beat him in this hard fought match. Tory then goes and stooges it off to Kevin Nash, who's apparently mad about Hulk Hogan's recollection of the events. She doesn't go and stooge off Hogan to Nash. Hogan comes to her and he's having sorry Nash comes to her and he's having the same discussion about you know how his things going with David in the same location to which yeah. Tori just wonders was that match between you and Hogan was that real <laughs> that's what she said did you watch it <laughs> no fucking hell uh, anyway Hogan comes out as a baby face for an interview on this show and the crowd in Toronto goes fucking ballistic for Hogan and I, a long long story history the commentators knew it for fuck's sake <laughs> yeah exactly but 
everybody misreads it and they misread it again at WrestleMania 18 in the future but again they think oh wow there, 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 there might be something to this Hogan babyface thing because look at the reaction just ridiculous Ric Flair calls out Diamond Dallas Page who gets booed and then promptly turns on the fans and is very visibly not happy with the fact that he's being booed he's not supposed to be turning heel here but uh, really? well just the anti-Canada promo he cuts really to the bone DDP he calls Flair Big Bird referring to his nose oh. you know Austin can talk about burning things down and The Rock can have his rhymes but DDP's got Sesame Street not only that but I, but I noticed the fans turned on him when he said Scott Scum Steiner oh. and I thought they just heard that one too many times they've had enough of this fucking guy yeah. <laughs> so yeah that's why and then that's when he, he, he turns and the, uh, the, the violent venom comes out for Canada because he's not happy about being booed at all Ric Flair makes Hulk Hogan versus Diamond Dallas Page for our main event this evening. The returning DDP versus Hulk Hogan. Rick Steiner pinned. And Flair's going to be his manager to ensure he wins. Of course. He says. That, that's, his, that's the plan, apparently. Uh, Rick Steiner pins Scott Norton in a match that completely killed the crowd. Norton, who has a real ego problem, kicked out of the pin before it was uh, even actually registered. Kicked out on two and a half because he's a fucking star apparently well, I think- I'm so fucking sick of Scott Norton on this timeline honest to god uh, yeah, between true. not selling for the horsemen when the horsemen you know first came back together and then you know fighting the NWO not selling for any of them the shit with Ray which really pissed me off and then this the Goldberg match the, oh the Goldberg match yeah can't forget that this guy needs to hit the bricks 750,000 downside I can't remember what it was we, we, the, the notes are there something, somewhere something absurd anyway it was ab- far, an obscene amount far of more than he has any right to ever have been paid yeah let's get to the best thing on this show it is time of course for the Bret Hart Goldberg <laughs> angle where Bret Hart comes out with hockey jersey on I'm sorry one second. did you say best thing on this show easily do you not want to rephrase it as the only good thing on this show um no no okay. I don't there's, okay. a, there's okay. something good on this show okay Bret Hart comes out first and does a great promo and this is where he gets the line about how you, you, you want to put up and they were very mad at him for saying it because yeah. he actually mentioned him by name he said, oh. yeah the week before when he did the one the one the week before it was backstage wasn't it when he mentions the three that guys was, no, that no, was, no, he's, that was weird he's, he's, he's out, he's out, he's out in the ring Gene? by the pool poolside oh was it really yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah okay that one yeah the one he mentions Goldberg last but he was uh, yeah that's wrong he wasn't as he wasn't as poignant towards talking about Goldberg he was Goldberg as was the afterthought to yeah. Flair and Hogan's. This one is more focused, so yeah. better. He fancies himself some, some kind of tough football player. <laughs> yeah, well, we can hockey. In, 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 yeah, in, this, yeah. this is hockey country. And he takes off his, his, uh, his jersey to real Maple Leafs jersey. Well, he's, wearing a, he's wearing a Calgary Hitman's one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I like that touch. It's like, Which he didn't tell them that he was going to do, by the way. He, he didn't He didn't tell them beforehand that he was going to wear the Maple Leafs jersey underneath for the cheap par. Okay. And that was his idea that he was going to do that himself, the babyface himself even more. Oh, I thought it was subterfuge. Like, it's, it's a bit dodgy he's wearing the hockey jersey. He might, you know, it completely throws you off the scent if he takes that off and then he's got something on the other, underneath the other one as well I, yeah. thought, I thought it was just like a bit of layering by Brett but it's still great Goldberg, yeah, Goldberg comes out spears him and they lie there forever and Brett rolls him over Brett very slowly comes to life yeah I love that it's so good some yeah. people and some of the reviews at the time when they were reading it's like oh they laid too long like, no they didn't nah. it's perfect nah. it was absolutely perfect Brett timed it perfectly rolls him over counts the three himself the crowd counts along and goes crazy he takes off the jersey and gets a bigger pop when it reveals the steel plate that was hiding underneath the hockey jersey all along and then he quits and then he quits and they cheer they cheer because he might be going home <laughs> He might have to be on a good show, get focused on, and fight Brett H- uh, fight Steve Austin again. Where he beat him every time they ever wrestle. Yes. But, um, um, Glory what? for Canada. <laughs> Thank you, buddy. <laughs> Not your buddy, guy. <laughs> however, however, 
Brett is is great in this, yeah, and it, it works beautifully with, with with the live crowd. And I think it comes across excellently on television as well. But bearing in mind that Goldberg has been done no favors <laughs> since January. Jesus Christ, it's just another nail in his coffin. Yeah, absolutely. I can't... I was, it was going through my head that some kind of variation of this could have been like the f- bullshit way that Goldberg, his first loss, yeah. if he wanted to do one a real shitty way. But even then, yeah, he's the wrong guy. To, it's, it's, a, it's a face move, so it needs to be on a heel. Otherwise, it's mm. just... You don't want to... I mean, he got booed in in, in Canada, Canada, but anyway. that's because Brett was already doing promos on him. Yeah. Um, Brett's... Good. This, is, this is easily... Easily the shining moment of Brett in WCW so far, yes, and will be the only shining moment of Bret Hart in his entire WCW tenure. The other, of course, after he quits, we come back from commercial. Eric Bischoff, he's there. Oh he's talking, to, and Shivani's like, "Bischoff's here. We haven't seen him in weeks." <laughs> and what's his position? Because isn't Flair president? You, uh, who knows? The ninety days has expired when Flair was president, so uh, no, who knows? They, they mentioned a couple of times on commentary that because he beat Hogan, he's now president for life. Oh, which they'd never mentioned in the build-up whatsoever. They just announced, they mentioned it. Adam he is. He is now just president. So what the fuck is Bischoff doing? Executive producer, I guess. Maybe he never lost that position. Because yeah. he's, he's there in a, manager, in a, in a management role telling... Uh, what was he there for? I don't know. Check, on, check on the credits of their pay-per-view if you can get one for free. <laughs> he does. He does he, the angle is, he's there. Something There's some angle goes on. I can't remember what it was. Some bollocks. Um, <laughs> he's the guy, whoever's the perpetrator, is walking to the back and I think he he's just shown there... Like asking the guy or something like, "What are you doing?" Some, some kind of something random mm. like that to almost drop in. Oh well, Bishop is involved. He's doing. He is around. I still. guess he's doing his real job now rather than acting. I don't know what the point was, but it's just yeah, bullshit. The other good thing on the show is Billy Kibben and Rey Mysterio beating Chris Benoit and Dean Malenko for the tag team titles, which was very very enjoyable. Uh, hot crowd again. Raven DDT's Malenko to cost them uh, the tag titles. That's what happened last week. So the idea was to go with Kibben and Ray as a team. Benoit Malenko as a team. Raven Saturn and Canyon when he returns as a Freebirds like combination uh, and basically build the tag team titles up around them. So stay in the middle, lads. Yeah, stay in the middle. Yeah, keep them all just part of the furniture in the middle, and you know hot shot the tag titles around and what? don't let them build up any credit don't let them build any credibility back which they desperately need having not been emphasised for the better part of two years finally in the main event Hulk Hogan pins Diamond Dallas Page after a brawl where they try to destroy the announce table and the <laughs> Nitro set because they're debuting the, next one, uh, the new one next week anyway well they're too old and frail and can't get can't the side to fall it. over because <laughs> they can't hit it hard enough Ric Flair swings a chair at Hogan at the gold club oh god by the way didn't mention it on the February one there was a gold club sighting did you see it in the Raven Canyon vignette when they're doing their shots of all the things oh. they zoom in on the gold club really I fucking oh. laugh my ass off oh no yeah it's brilliant I, I, I was dying to mention it last week I forgot oh annoyed me anyway so in this match Hogan DDP Flair swings a chair at Hogan who ducks DDP gets laid out the referees get bumped Hogan finally wins yay Hogan, your top babyface, top star. Now, opposite this, of course. Just quickly, just an aside, just to show that the complete patheticness of the company during <laughs> that during that show in Canada, on the basis of the good the good reaction Brett's got, they have Jericho come out and bury it. <laughs> yeah, bury Canada, saying he can't wait to leave. Yeah, oh, there you go. Didn't even bother. Didn't even give Benoit any kind of special reaction for the fact that he's Canadian as well. By the way, <laughs> no one. No oh, one didn't want him to lose. Oh yeah. <laughs> It's only a vanilla midget anyway. Yeah, yeah, well, there you go. 
Uh, over on Raw, this is the post-WrestleMania episode, the show opens with Austin asking for Vincent Mann to come out and teases forfeiting the belt. Because uh, obviously it's a long, hard road on the top. And of course, when Vince comes out, he just gives him the belt that he won at Mania because he wants Vince to bring back the old custom-made smoking skull belt uh, that Vince had taken back in September. He wants it by the end of the show, or he'll beat Vince up. <laughs> Vince, Cl- hold, on. <laughs> hold on, hold on, whoa, 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 wait, one cotton-picking minute. Okay. That belt was going on Vince's mantle in one of his homes. He said it. He, he said it is. Yeah. Yeah. One of his mantles in one of his homes. So. And they're in, like, New Jersey this week, by the way. Yeah, then it's not... Are you telling me the belt's there? Apparently so. No, they no. he sends someone. He, he, he sends Steph, is what sends, is the plan. Yeah, to go and get the belt. To connect him back within two hours. Helicopter, bitch, obviously. Yeah? Oh, for fuck. He's rich. He's rich. He needs a fucking Learjet. <laughs> this shit can just happen. Vince claims that if Austin touches him, he'd be fired, but Austin showed a tape of Vince attacking him at WrestleMania, saying that gives him the reasonable just cause to attack Vince if he wants to. Uh, Vince wound up hitting Austin with the belt anyway and running him off and then flipping him off. That was hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Gives him the middle thing. He's like, oh, that's classic. It's Vince. the brilliant, it's the, it's the run, it's the desperate run at the ramp in the cowardly, desperate manner. His look, arms are going all over the shop. Looking back behind yeah, him. He doesn't, he doesn't look back until he's right at the top. He's like, turns in one motion, double fingers, and then <laughs> continues running. It's, it's hilarious. Ah, <laughs> oh, Vince. He has his great moments. Vince then told Stephanie to go home and get the belt. Um, Tori and Ivory beat Sable and Jacqueline when Sable turned on Jackie, hitting her with the belt. The lights go out and the Undertaker comes out and the Ministry surrounds Sable, the heel. He told Vince to come out or he'll destroy his meal ticket. Uh, Vince then does come out, but for some reason thought of Stephanie all of a sudden and ran away. And when he got there, where Shane was supposed to be protecting her, she was gone. Yeah. On and on we go. Uh, yeah... Yeah, the Shane thing, um, it was like, um, I'm not sure if this is even the story they were playing, but um, maybe they did. It was amusing for a while, but Shane's, like, everyone's so, Vince is so distraught over Steph, and Shane doesn't give a fuck. Shane doesn't give a fuck, and it's his own rise to power, because he's, yeah. he's, he's, he's doing well now. Yeah, it's great. It's like, well, and later on, when, oh, it might be in a different show, actually, when he's really concerned, and when she's gone missing, or, and they're looking for her, that's it. It might be the show. It is the show. And, uh, He's on commentary, he doesn't give a fuck. He doesn't give a fuck, yeah, it's Rock's match, right? <laughs> yes, yes. Yep, yep, doesn't give a fuck. Uh, Paul White comes out and chokes them to test and beats him in 29 seconds as a baby face, so I guess they figure that they're going to push him now. Uh, he does a promo afterwards and he's got a hot new catchphrase That's the last word. <laughs> Put that on a t shirt. Is he a writer now? Apparently. Bob Holly beats uh, Dr. Death Steve Williams in a hardcore match. Uh, Jim Ross, who said he did the main event at Mania because Austin insisted on it, which was in fact the truth, uh, was back to playing his goofy character as he went back to the Spanish table and was talking English and they were making fun of him again. So, there you go. Rock beats Billy Gunn and everyone cheered The Rock. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Because because why wouldn't you? Yeah. Just a nice, clean, simple victory. Rehab. Yeah, just, yeah, exactly. Yeah, share on commentary, not giving a fuck, put over The Rock. Ken Shamrock gets a bloodbath but no sells it and puts Christian in the ankle lock uh, and gets him to squeal where's Steph where's Steph he, she, he reveals that Steph is in the basement so uh, Ken Shamrock is on the trail <laughs> Goldust wins the IC title from the Road Dog when the Blue Meanie hits Road Dog with a title belt so this is a real pattern of the kind of the destruction of DX really Billy Gunn gets beaten Road Dog loses his belt um, and then obviously in the main event it's going to be Triple H and X-Pac on this show um, also, Vince gets Stephanie back uh, from the basement and leaves the building, telling Shane to just give Austin the belt back. 
The main event, of course, is Triple H versus X-Pac, as we mentioned. Pac wins by DQ and China interferes. Kane comes out, takes another hard chair shot here to the head, but then sits up to kind of end that scene. Finally, Rock comes out with the Smoking Skull Championship belt. Uh, Austin runs out, stuns Shane McMahon, but you get Rock, Triple H, Shamrock and Tess kicking Austin's ass until Paul White shows up to make the save. And that's uh, the end of Raw on March 29th. So let's see how the post-WrestleMania show versus Nitro does after Nitro's momentum of the last few weeks. Raw set a new all-time record, doing a 6.51 rating. Nitro, however, dropped to a 3.5. So in the course of one month, they've dropped a full point from 4.4 to a, yeah, uh, pretty much a full point from a 4.5 at one point to a 3.5. Is that, and is that consecutive weeks of a three-point loss? Um, yes it is. It's actually more, because head-to-head, Nitro only did a 3.2 to a 6.5. Fucking Christ Almighty! I'm getting, that's awful. I'm getting that sinking feeling, the, the double turn of Flair and Hogan. Not only <laughs> retreat. Not only did it not work, it kind of has uh, sped up the uh, the process. It that, certainly that, seems that way. That, uh, that spiral is a lot quicker now. It's almost a sure bet that had they not had such stiff network competition that Raw would have done roughly a 7.0 rating and broken every mark in history. The NCAA Basketball Championship did a 17.2 and Raw still broke the record with a 6.5. Um, Nitro is about to get preempted when the NBA goes in the playoffs. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> that 7.0 barrier will probably be broken then. The destruction of the first hour of Nitro, to the point where the announcers were now told to talk about Nitro actually starting at 9 to the first hour, is considered a pre-game, even though it's the hour that actually delivers the biggest yeah. audience, and it's still being thrown away, was evident this week in the ratings, where it only did a 4.2 to start for the unopposed hour. So... What a complete calamity this strategy has been. In the battle of the main events, in the final quarter, the WWF with X-Pac versus Triple H did a 6.5, while Nitro with Babyface Hogan versus Diamond Dallas Page did a 2.8. Fuck. <laughs> Which I guess shows, don't be fooled by the size of the crowd pop that Hogan got, because that match died out there. <laughs> in the overrun, the final angle with Austin Rock, Shane, Triple H and Paul White did a 6.8, while the climax of Hogan and Page did a 3.1. Miserable fucking numbers. Raw's peak rating for the show was a 7.0 for Sable and Jacqueline versus Ivory and Tori, which probably more than anything else tells you about the current tastes among wrestling fans, making it one of the five most watched matches ever <laughs> on cable television. So, Sable and the women, they are consistently now. It's not even a one-off, it's a pattern. They are, they are the, the biggest ratings drawers on the show. I'm glad G's not here. <laughs> well, that goes without saying. And... <laughs> <laughs> This, the moral of this story, folks, is... Stop laughing. Um, <laughs> the moral of this story, folks, is that anyone who thinks my lewd behaviour on this show is uncalled for in, the modern, in, in society in general, you're wrong, because look how much this shit draws. <laughs> also from backstage at Nitro, Kevin Sullivan passed out before the show and was literally <laughs> asleep on the floor backstage and lost control of his bodily functions. <laughs> 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 The EMTs arrived at the building and Sullivan actually stopped breathing backstage on more than one occasion before he was revived. This was a GHB overdose, as it turned out. Right there, apparently people had to climb over him to get through the gorilla position. (laughs) What was his role in the company at this point? He was like assistant booker. He was on the committee with like Nash and those guys. I love that. 
So, so it's compassion and concern. <laughs> oh, fuck, I gotta tread round. Let's go over him. I gotta match him. Oh, there's a puddle for me. <laughs> That's the only person Bill Golbo's probably gone over in the last month. <laughs> <laughs> Some more inside. Oh, I'm crying. <laughs> and that's just the ratings. <laughs> <laughs> more backstage news. Val Venus was slated to join DX the day after WrestleMania, but the other DX members were completely against the idea and spoke out against it. Nothing personal against Val, but the rationale apparently was that Val wouldn't fit in and they should at least wait for a while after Hunter's departure before trying to replace him. Val Venus in DX? Um. <clears throat> I didn't know that. I can't remember what happened on. It, it dawned on me during this month I was surprised they, they never had any affiliation with them hmm. I can't remember what the point was but they must have maybe they did something it kind of tied a cross pollination with Road Dog it, or something it, something that. like that and it was like that's yeah I guess, I'm surprised they never did that in there some kind of WCW it would have been obviously no, probably um, but the X died and I, I did see the, the Triple H thing what, yeah. it's a, it, well, well, Triple H was over though so actually maybe it would have been more over <laughs> Got some more notes here about WCW. More fun time news for all of us. There's a ton of behind-the-scenes goings-on regarding the Bret Hart quitting angle on Nitro. Kevin Nash was telling everyone who would listen that he was unhappy about the angle. Nash had already gone to Hart last week and wanted to use all the heat on the internet about him burying Hart, which he was doing, to turn it into an angle where he could become a heel booker, since that's what he's being portrayed as in the internet media anyway. And Bret Hart fans were all over his website blaming Nash for Hart's lack of push. Nevertheless, there must have been some level of real heat, since Nash was complaining that he was given control to be the booker and this angle was pushed on him when he didn't want it. He was told by Bischoff they wouldn't interfere with him, but before the Panama Beach Nitro, Bischoff basically let Dusty Rhodes put the whole show together, which is why Nash walked out before the show was over. And of course, Dusty put himself on TV and did that big promo. A lot of the other power brokers got in Bischoff and others' ear uh, about the angle potentially ruining Goldberg, this being the, uh, the steel play angle. Bischoff wanted Hart to run down Canada and the Canadian government in his interview so Goldberg would be the face in the angle, but Brett refused. Nash also wanted the angle to end with Hart quitting, but Nash doing a run-in and laying him out as the bully booker to start a program between the two of them, which Hart also refused since he thought he and Bischoff had already agreed on the direction of the angle and he clearly had it in his mind that this was the night he would be rehabilitated. Because so many fe- uh, people feared damage to Goldberg, Bischoff ordered the Goldberg chance to be piped into the building during the angle. Uh, Bischoff and Brett also argued in front of everybody to try and work the boys when it was over. I forgot to mention the uh, line from, it probably was this week, when they uh, mentioned, when uh, he's in Canada and he's, well maybe the week before, but he says, uh, Brett, he's talking about Nash saying old feuds n- never die and stuff, and said, uh, you, might be, you may be the pencil, but I'm the eraser. Yeah. <laughs> Silence. Indeed, of course, because who the fuck knows? Hmm. Lessons won't be learned here in WCW, so we'll come to find out. Chris Benoit was on the fan in Toronto and asked if he thought that there was a conspiracy to destroy WCW from within, and Benoit responded, it appears that way. (laughs) (laughs) He said that when he signed his new contract, he vowed he would never complain about the company again, but said that Bischoff hadn't delivered on the promises he made when he signed. He said he's in wrestling for the money, and that in three years he'll be 34 years old, a free agent, and have a lot of money in the bank. He also said that Nash only pushes his friends, which I'm sure will do wonders for Benoit's position in WCW. (laughs) Yeah, that bodes well. 
Here's some uh, interesting plans. Rock vs. Austin is, of course, pegged for backlash. At first, the idea was to hold off the rematch until SummerSlam, but there is a belief that The Rock cannot stay heel for that much longer. Originally, believe it or not, the plan was for Mankind to turn heel on Steve Austin after WrestleMania and feud with him going into backlash. That plan changed in the days leading up to WrestleMania. Consideration was also given of going right into Austin vs. Triple H, but that may be saved for SummerSlam. Which, in fact, is pretty much what happened. Mm. So, there you go. Pretty interesting. Mankind turning heel is a massive miscalculation here. Again? Yeah. yeah. I, I, having only turned babyface four months previously. Yeah. At and the end of Survivor Series. Mean, big Show not mentioned that at all. No. no Nearly in a year. You know he's coming in for two years, three years, whatever. <laughs> um, and that's your plan. Yeah. I just, yeah, yeah ra- rather than try and give some more attention to the guy you're paying a million a year for the next ten years you go into Triple H who's lukewarm at best yeah, and has never never in any meaningful way been highlighted as part of the upper echelon of the company no not at all Ralphus has been dropped as WCW felt he'd run his course and there was a feeling he was getting a very big head <laughs> which apparently is true apparently he was a bit of an egomaniac what? <laughs> thought he was a big star apparently because he was on TV at least Sable fucking drew <laughs> <laughs> With less than two weeks before Spring Stampede, nobody has any idea where it's going. The TV would lead one to believe Hogan is going to beat Flair for the title. Dusty Rhodes' name was never mentioned on Nitro, so the angle for him doing a comeback may have been dropped. And thank God it was. This, a line here from The Observer, which cannot have been an accident. Devin Michael and Steve Austin's ex-wife, Jeannie Clark, if you think about it, look almost exactly alike. Wow. Mm. Wow. Well, that's foreshadowing. He, ha- he has to have known something was going the on nice there. nice insinuation that, uh, well, Austin... I think if he didn't get divorced right before Mania, we, we mentioned right, it. It's right after Mania, yeah. and Austin's references in himself in, in interviews. That's why uh, the reason he gives for turning up in his t-shirt, yeah, walking out at Mania because he'd forgot he'd forgot the vest after a, a domestic at home. Is that what it was? Mm, so, we can yeah. only imagine all that domestic involved. But and um, <laughs> um, was Deborah with Jared? Well, oh. <laughs> <laughs> was Deborah with Jared at this point? Were, were they ever together as a couple in real life? Yeah. How can they come in together? But, they fuddled me. But there was some tension. Obviously, the Austin Jarrett tension that happens later in the year does stem from something that goes on, and it's not really alluded to exactly what between Jarrett, Deborah, and Austin around this time. So it's very possible that something may have been going on there. Of course it was. <laughs> it's wrestling. She's wrestling, <laughs> and she's his manager. Yeah. Road wife. The final note we have here for March of 99. If there was anything, uh, the ESPN Outside the Line special on March 30th on the pro wrestling industry brought home. It was that nothing uh, was learned uh, when it came to what nearly brought the industry to its knees seven years ago. Obviously, ESPN did this big special involving both companies talking about wrestling. A lot of focus on deaths and a lot of denial from people within the wrestling business. McMahon and Bischoff both came off bad. WCW was so unhappy with the show, they have closed their dressing rooms to reporters and especially were unhappy with Bischoff's performance. So, uh, this is again a lot, a lot of talk about the kind of negative aspects of wrestling but this was like you know a lot of talk about Louis Piccoli Brian Pillman the drugs aspect of wrestling Rick, Rick Rude is this year Rick, Rick, Rick Rude's coming up within a month or two so I mean it's and yeah I mean there's and you know you've got like they're asking Buff about steroids and Buff's like if you haven't worked out for 15 years for two hours a day in a gym you can't ask me about steroids and stuff Scott Stein outright denies using them I think they ask Chris Jericho about hard drugs and he says something like who cares what do you want (laughs) (laughs) I I know a guy in uh, Penn State Penitentiary yeah I'm sure 
But yeah, so that's the final note for this. Obviously, ESPN, a, a big outlet, and that this is this actually this show was like the talk of the uh, of, of the world of uh, the world of wrestling for apparently about a week or so within the, within both companies. How times have changed now, considering ESPN's cozy relationship with WWE. Money talks, man. Mm. Money talks. So with that said, that wraps us up for the month of March, and it wraps us up for this uh, three weeks in a row series of doing the Monday Night War timeline. So we've talked about a lot of issues. So to wrap it up here, folks. Uh, January, February, March. What are your big takeaways from what we've learned? The shambolic state of WCW at this point—a three point fucking five. I, I don't. I don't think really much more. From a five point oh, the start of February. I, it's just a case of Mar- March. Is we've been looking for that point where the wheels well and truly come off, haven't we? And the, the story has always been that it was always January and the finger poke of doom. Well, that was bollocks. <laughs> By February, as you point out, Liam, they're still doing a five at the turn of February, losing the, the ratings, but doing a five, and have done healthy pay-per-view business at the start of the year. March is the month where the wheels well and truly come off. You know, you, you've seen bickering and, and, and issues. Now it just seems like it's an all-out sort of fight to, to who can get off the sinking ship first. Yeah, they're actually... Um starting to count the seats in the lifeboats now I think people um, I think it's hard to say compared to this is it's obviously it's only a, a month on but it's really just the compounding what we said last time that I, I truly believe that if this had happened this turnaround ratings have nothing to do with the quality of the shows it's momentum and goodwill and best WF stuff was they were still behind when Austin was at his creative hottest it was the goodwill and the momentum it's building and word of mouth and just um, perception mainstream perception that's absolutely that's what and it's all and yet you still have to deliver and because if you stop delivering okay WCW stopped delivering for a long time but it's when they started insulting people and confusing people and cutting the, the, I still think the Goldberg thing is that's that to me what's is the, the killer of what, there's nothing to there's nothing what reason are we giving them to stay around now you're insulting them time after time you insult them with Goldberg because you hurt the feelings of Goldberg and you're disillusioning them and then you insult them why not coming back to him straight away he should have been that first week after he dropped the belt he should that should have been the focus on the show is Goldberg on a rampage at least talking about getting his belt and then you can divert him in a in a logical way but they didn't do that um, it was just let's move on to something else and they do that all the time they move on to there's so many disparate things going on in this show and it got to the, now it's got to the point where it's you've turned Hogan uh, you've turned the Wolfpack and Flay they flipped doesn't make any sense no nothing to what the story you've been telling it's like okay we lamented the NWA because it's the same again but they've just gone you need a rhyme and reason to it it's that logic and it's people know it's fake but it's, they don't want their their intelligence insulted and it, it, they, they just they dislike, started to dislocate the fan base and when the, the other side has got the momentum they've got especially Wrestlemania season Austin's going to get the belt back it's their highest time of year as well which is another factor compounding it and uh, yeah and if that had happened to any of the previous years I still think a similar thing would have happened where the company just went into complete meltdown because they, they were always at that point anyway they, were cir- they weren't circling the drain obviously they were doing fucking gangbusters and they're still making money but the the internal strife was held together because they were fucking winning if at any point they would have flipped like this and it was a few bag- bad weeks and the, they, they would have imploded exactly the same at any point I think I really think that it was just a case of waiting for that that catalyst that was going to cause it yeah it's, it's, it's the thing about the I can't remember if I said this last week or not in the, the start of the death of WCW book it's that WCW should never have died but you look at the way those dominoes were, 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 were fixed if 
if they ever had a good period, if they ever be given that the, the, the management maker of WCW itself, if that good period that set the benchmark, and whenever that it dropped from that, or the competition which they made of WCW, the corporate side of it was going to they were going to come down on him anyway. It was always so the foundations weren't as solid in this company because it wasn't structured like an efficient company. And from the creative Bischoff, the fact that how did Bischoff get the job in the first place? Okay, he did great for yeah, not knocking <laughs> that obviously, but I th- to, to say it should never have died, I, I think it's a lot. Given the, the it was such a corporate makeup that a corporate makeup with a lack of ownership of um, on, on the product overall, everyone pack it, passing the book or finger pointing when things point, going wrong. Yeah, leaving leaving for six months when the ratings are going to get drop, whatever, because the playoffs. Um, that stuff was always there and it was only a matter of when they couldn't get away with it because people were going to ask questions when managers start asking questions they were all fucking jumping off the ship and it, that yeah. would have happened at any point okay they might be able to turn it around if, 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 if WWF wasn't as hot as it was with their stars then maybe, knows, in fantasy yeah. land maybe but um, yeah now we're seeing it in full flow yeah we, all those all those years we've said this fuck, this show is shit how's it how's it ahead well, you've insulted people to the point now where they now they actually care. Now your shit decisions are making them making an impact on your on your pro, on your on your ratings. So yeah, what goes around comes around, and it's come around in this case. Unbelievable. So a, a fantastic uh, three month period to reflect on. This has been a lot of fun looking back. So with that said, I want to thank everybody for listening. We will be back with you in two weeks, and of course, the week after that, we will be doing the death of TNA. So for Carl Jones, adios amigos. And for Kieran O'Rourke. Did anyone notice that Rusev, with his haircut and beard, looks remarkably like me, but not as good looking? I'm just saying, I'm very excited about bumping into Lana at WrestleMania. <laughs> <laughs> I am Liam O'Rourke, and we are out of here. Turn. Ball heads, tattoos, and penalties from the slums to DB.